so I get out. He's fucking. He's never been in a place like this in his fucking life. He's from Arizona. He's yeah. a little white kid. <laughs> so then, just just ruining him. It's, it's he's like, get me the fuck back to the improv. So we go. We leave there. I go one more stop, and we go to Lower East Side, Alphabet City. I, yeah. side, whatever. And Frankie cops heroin. For Tompkins or something? Uh-huh. From Tompkins Square Park? No, it's somewhere down there, yeah. whatever. And now, he's in the car. He's a mess. I think Frankie sh- might even be shooting up in the back seat. He could be. I don't know. But the kid wants to fucking... And, and it was David Spade. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was his first time in New York. Wow. <laughs> It was his first time. And I didn't know who he was. Then I saw him on Saturday Night Live. I go, that's the kid we kept hostage. <laughs> we took hostage. That's the kid we took hostage. Tried to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black. But when I come back, no, no, no. I ain't got the time. And if my daddy thinks I'm fine, just try to make me go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Ari Shavir Skeptic Tank. Uh, I would like to say before we start, because people sometimes get mad at this, this is an exceptionally long intro. I mean, exceptionally long. I'll tell you what, it starts serious. I don't know, it starts super jokey for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then it sort of gets serious and preachy. So I'm telling you right now, 54 minutes or 55, maybe 55 with this extra, extra ta- tag in, 55 minutes. Um, is where you want to skip to if you want to skip. It's on you. Uh, I personally consider my intros as part of the podcast and as content that is good and of quality. I'm a stand-up comedian who's been doing this for uh, 18 or 19 years. I forget. Uh, May 19 years. Jesus Christ. Uh, when I do an introduction, I joke around. That's a 19-year comedy veteran joking around. So my feeling is you should enjoy it. But if you don't, I get it. Skip to 55 minutes. Uh, here we go. Let's start. Which one do you think is stronger? Um, the, the, the way you, asparagus makes your piss smell like vomit uh, mixed with the fluid that's behind a bar at fucking 6 a.m. before the cleaners have come in? Um, or is it the way Szechuan food will make your ass just explode with blood to the point where you think you might now be a vampire in need of a meal? Um, dude, I love, I love San Francisco Chinatown. It's got some of the best Chinese food from all types, from Hunan late night authentic but my favorite is Szechuan I mean once I realized what Szechuan was I was in love I think I had it in Hong Kong um, Sarah Fred and the whole crew took took me out to Szechuan food once that you know that lazy Susan kind of kind of meal where they just put food in the middle and everyone just has to fucking do you guys know what the term lazy Susan is uh, or is it like a rich Jewish thing um because we have them in our pantries. We don't put them on our tables. We have them in our pantries. 
Is pantry a rich Jewish term? <laughs> what do you guys have? Closets? <laughs> Poor people. Um, uh, we weren't even rich. We were just a fucking middle class. I think we were middle to lower middle class, living like upper middle class with absolutely zero dollars in the bank. And our friends had like bank. Anyway, so there's that kind. I don't know where they took me, but that kind where they put food in the middle and you just like swivel around the, the, the fucking center of the table. You know what I'm talking about. And then you just go get what you want. But they had these Szechuan hot green beans that were just – I just kept going back to them. Green beans. Simple. Anyway, um, I had some Szechuan last night. Yesterday. No, last night. In San Francisco. I'm in San Francisco right now for my shows at Cobb's. Comedy Club, good to be back here, headlining a room I did with Rogan. Um, and I am telling you, the amount of blood that came out of my shit this morning, it, it was just like, it was such a spray down. It was like a bukkake of blood. A literal bukkake, that's not literal. Um where did the first bukkake come from? Do you think it, somebody was just coming on a girl's face and then like, excuse me, I'm sorry. This is all rude. Do you think someone was coming at a woman's face? See, I, I listen, I listen. I, the Me Too movement gets to me also. Do you think someone was spraying down a woman and then, um, you know, they were like, hey, get my friend in here. I don't think two, two dudes coming at a woman's face is bukkake. I think it's got to be three or more. Just like a gangbang can't be two dudes. It's got to be Trace, Quattro, Cinco, Sete, or Od. Uh, Od means more in Hebrew. I mixed two different languages. Um, yeah, and the first guy who did it was like, hey, get in here. Tom, Bill, Johnny, get in here. And then there was like, oh, that's a bukkake. Uh, the, probably the last dude was Asian. It was Tom, Bill, and and uh, and Shu. And when Shu came in, um, they were like, oh, that's a fucking, in honor of Shu, we're, we're calling this a bukkake. What does bukkake mean? I'm going to look this up. Tell me I'm even recording. Oh, I am. That was three minutes? I didn't even get past talking about my shit. And the waft, by the way, in this hotel room is just fucking turn around a corner. There's no fans and windows in a lot of these hotel rooms. So it's really their fault I'm smoking pot. Oh, it's so nice to be back in California to smoke some fucking fresh Cali herb. And they still have the fucking 30 percenter here. So all I've been smoking. Okay, I, of course I smoke Cali weed. I get it shipped in or I fucking bring it in when I'm in, uh, you know, California. But there's nothing like the fresh herb you get here. Uh, Bukaki. Buk- okay, B-U-K is Bukowski. This is the fill-ins. B-U-K-A. Nope. <laughs> it's Bukal, Bukalapec, Bucharest, Bukakinchi, and Bukayo. Uh, Bukak, Bukakinchi, Bukaka, Bukaki. Bukaki, Cards Against Humanity. All right, well, it never fills in. I'm probably spelling it wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Urban Dictionary. Oh, Bukaki has two Ks and an E. Bukaki is when several men ejaculate in the face of a woman. The above-mentioned description 
of its false of its origin is false, mainly because since the <laughs> okay, Bukaki is when a, a top definition. Bukaki is when a mommy and a daddy 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 all decides that mommy needs some special facial moisturizer. <laughs> Who invented Urban Dictionary? This thing is fucking tits. Bukkake is when se- okay. Number two, Bukkake is when several men ejaculate the face of a woman. The above mentioned description of its origin is false, mainly because since the punishment for adultery in feudal Japanese was death. Bukkake is a dish in Japan with fine white noodles with a splash of topping in liquid, not unlike loads of semen. It comes from the verb. Pukakeru, which means to splash some liquid, usually water. The Japanese are very good at making poetic or funny descriptions like that. All this mystic bullshit about Japan and Japanese customs must please stop. It's <laughs> number three. When mo- oh, wait, here's a sentence for number two. I will bukaki you until you give up trying to sound scholarly. At the expense of Japanese culture, you sick pervert. Hit three. When multiple men are playing an adventure quest <laughs> and reach the max level, they will reach an orgasm, then squirt their mana potions all over a woman's face. <laughs> Roberto and his buds use their mana potions on a young woman. Bukake. Four. This might be the closest. A fetish in pornography, the hallmarks of which is multiple men orgasming onto the face and body of a single girl. Does that mean single girl like one girl, or does that mean a woman who is not in a relationship? The genre was pretty much created by Japanese adult film director Kazuhiku Matsumoto. The word itself is a conjugation of two Japanese words and roughly means splash. And then these are all a circle jerk with the target. <laughs> Number seven's pretty good too. Um, well, I forgot why I was talking about that. Oh, it was a YouTube video. Jesus Christ! Oh, then this bukkake spelled the way I did. When a mommy and daddy and a daddy and daddy and daddy and daddy love a mommy very much, and they all think she needs a facial. Here's a good sentence. Due to Amy Winehouse's excessive drug use, her face looks like... Oh, this must have been from... Oh, yeah, 2009. Her face looks like a crater, and therefore P. Diddy, Maestro Fresh, and John McCain decided to help her out by giving her bukkake. Verb. To gather around a woman and come on her face as a group. Originally used in ancient Japan as a form of punishment, it is not performed for kinky pleasure. Noun. An instance of bukkake. Hey, no fair. You can't wear a face mask. We're about to kabukaki you. <laughs> uh, while getting an intense blowjob, Jim pulled his dick out of Patty's mouth and gave her a well-deserved bukkake. Then handed a towel to wipe her face and chin. No, no, no. Not one, dude. Oh, here you go. When 12 or more guys surround a girl and come on her, or they come in a cup and she drinks it. Well, gross. How did I get grosser when talking about taking a bloody dump? I don't know. Welcome to Ari Shafir Skeptic Tank, everybody. I'm Ari Shafir. How? No, this counter must be wrong. Nine minutes. Nine minutes for fucking that. 
Um, I got all on this because I'm trying to introduce my podcast. I have Rich Voss on today. Rich Voss is a comedian, uh, most notably mentioned in Joey Diaz's Anti-Apology, one of the best anti-apologies of all time, which I will read now. Um, it says, oh, if you hear that bang, it's because I'm on the fucking, looking out over a goddamn construction site in San Francisco. Um, you know, it's way easier to sleep right around construction sites when you live in New York. Um, okay, Joey Diaz, I guess he said something that made people angry. You know how it is. I don't even know. I didn't even hear the thing. I didn't even hear the thing that was happening. And this was from a while ago, March 6, 2018. Okay. So, I, I don't even know what he did or said. It was clearly a joke from his apology um, to make him feel like he had to put out a, 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 a response. And here was his response to the angry backlash of one of his jokes. Joey Coco Diaz uh, is at Mad Flavor on Twitter. I'm a husband, a father. I love Joe. He's such an immigrant. You don't capitalize husband and father unless father is is God and husband is the first letter of a word. But whatever. Let's ignore Joey, the way Joey Diaz spells because that's not what makes everybody love him. I'm husband. <laughs> I also forgot a husband. <laughs> I wish you could fucking – I really wish you could edit on Twitter at least for fucking five minutes. At least for five minutes. To be like, oh, shit, I spelled it wrong. I'm husband, a father, but most importantly, a man. I will say things in the heat of comedic passion that not everyone will like. Out of respect for my heroes. Heroes is not a posh of yes, Joey. Out of respect to my heroes, Bruce, Pryor, Rogan, Hicks, Burr, Kinnison, Kearns, Voss. I'll never apologize for a joke. Bruce is Lenny Bruce. Pryor is Richard Pryor. Rogan is Seth Rogan. Hicks <laughs> is Bill Hicks. <laughs> Burr is Aaron Burr. Uh, um, <laughs> the revolutionary. <laughs> Sam Kinison. I don't know who Kearns is. Lee Kearns? No, that's an agent. And Voss. Rich Voss. The man who is on my podcast today. We're talking about using drugs um rich voss has been sober for a while but he used to get down and i'm always interested in the people's not only their mental disabilities but their fucking addictions i love it and rich voss gets into it with me on this podcast he has a roast that's out now at at vossroast.com v-o-s roast.com you can buy or rent rent for five dollars buy for ten the Rich Vosvos, I was at it, um, and it was such a fucking fun night. What a fucking great night. On the dais, we're Big J. Well, we talked about it on the on the episode. Uh, Colin Quinn, Norton, uh, Bonnie, his wife. Um, what a fun, fun night. What a, It really was just a great night. I dressed up like you're supposed to at a roast. Dude, I have such a suit collection. It makes me really want to, like, use it sometimes. So I do. Uh, anyway, um, so on today's podcast, we talked about a little about the roast, but then about uh, addiction in general. I am not addicted to things. I have been addicted to cigarettes before, a chemical addiction. 
uh, more than mental, but also mental gets in there as well. But it's a chemical addiction. I think drugs are also a chemical addiction. I'm not positive. Um, but anyway, what a fun fucking time. Some dates I have. I'm in San Francisco right now. My show is tonight, Thursday, June 21st at Cobbs, followed by Friday, followed by Saturday. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday at Cobbs. Get tickets now at AriTheGreat.com. You can also get tickets for my European tour in November and December. Um, so many cities that I'm in. Uh, also, I have the big ones. I have a storytelling show in Montreal, three of them, uh, at the end of July, followed by two um, times of doing, uh, I guess, preview shows, Ari Shafir Jew, which is my Edinburgh hour, which I'll be doing in Edinburgh every day, August 2nd through the 26th, not the 13th. I'm taking one day off. Um, at the Hive at 6 p.m. every day. But in Montreal, I'm at the Catacombs doing it for one day, and I'm at Cleopatra, back to Cafe Cleopatra, the place where we did This Is Not Happening, where we first thought uh, to consider start doing it at a strip club, which is what we did. Uh, and that is, after doing that a few times, when Comedy Central came around um, and everybody else came around. But that's where we got the idea to do it, to film it at a strip club. So come back there. Um, oh, and I've got Austin, Texas in September. Back to Cap City Comedy Club, where I recorded Ari Shafir, Double Negative, Childhood and Adulthood. Um, oh, here are all the fucking places I'll be. Jesus, that's a lot. I love that comedy has brought me all over the fucking world. Um, Vecchio Owen just went to China, did that same fucking run that I did, and he loved that. I can't wait to talk to him. Maybe I'll do a podcast with him about it, about China. Mike Vecchio Owen's great. Uh, okay. Reykjavik. This all starts November 16th. Reykjavik, Brighton, England, London, England, Manchester, England, Dublin. Sorry, did I say Dublin? Dublin. Oh, I met some guys from Dublin yesterday. Dublin, Brussels, Amsterdam, Stockholm, Stavanger. That is uh, Norway. Uh, Berlin, Copenhagen, Oslo. Still trying to finalize Zurich. Still trying to finalize Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And that's my whole year. Um, it really is cool that it could bring me fucking places. Paid vacations to places just, I mean, foreign. All right, let's start the episode, shall we? I don't know what else I have to say. Um, God, I want to say something about Hardwick. When will networks, maybe I'll just say this. When are networks going to just start waiting a week before reacting? I get you guys all live in fear at all times of public backlash. But if you just wait seven days, this goes for Sirius XM. This goes for any network. Just wait seven days before reacting to a firestorm. Seven days. I know you're overwhelmed with tweets and fucking social media backlash. You have to fucking fire this person. Just wait a week to see because there's a backlash and there's a backlash to a backlash. The people talking about Roseanne's tweet, they were like, well, how could she say such a horrible thing? And it was like, I even talked about this to people with the fucking comedy seller. I was like, it was a joke. They were like, it wasn't a joke. I'm like, of course it was a joke. Like, how can you think it was a joke? I'm like... It, it falls into joke form. This is something we do at the comedy cell at the back table all the time. You, meaning a person, looks like a cross between this and that. 
this person looks like blah mixed with blah. That's what Roseanne did. That's what her tweet it was clearly a joke. I mean, if you could say it was based in too too much of racism, okay, that's that's a, a taste thing. But to say it's not a joke is simply wrong. I will allow you the ability to get offended by a joke. I understand that happens. I'm not going to say you're wrong to get offended. In fact, I prefer some people get offended. All these comics who are like, I can't believe these people get offended. That's what you want. You're writing an offensive joke. You want some people going, that's too far. So the people who don't think it's too far get some joy out of it because it's so fucking out there. I personally always want a Columbine joke the day after. My favorite joke about this last school shootings was Adrian Apolucci's, and she did it the night after it happened. And it was the best reaction to a joke, to a single joke I might have ever heard. It, it was crazy, but it only happened because she did it immediately. If you wait too long, then it, it takes, it's, it becomes pap. It becomes boring. Um, so, of course, you want some people being offended if you are fucking a hard-hitting comic. So, Roseanne, if, the fact that people were offended is not my issue. The fact that people don't think it was a joke is my issue. You're wrong on that. Get offended if you want, but it's clearly intended as a joke. Whether or not she knew that lady was black, my issue with it was like, why are you doing jokes about someone who had a position in the cabinet of Barack Obama? That's been done for a year and a half. Why are you still shitting on Barack Obama's cabinet? Of a person, a person I've never heard of. I don't know who the fuck she is. So why are you making? It just seems like a dumb person to shit on in general. You're too political for me. That's my thing. You're just too political for me. But just wait a week before firing somebody. And with Hardwick, it's the same thing. All these people took away because some lady came out with an article saying you sexually assaulted, and then you read the article, and nothing she describes is sexual assault. People are just reading a headline and going, oh, sexual assault, let's fire him. So his shows got taken down while they investigate. Investigate. Read the article. What she's saying is not sexual assault. You can't just say, oh, this guy made fun of me. It was sexual assault. And people go, ah, oh, she's claiming sexual assault. You got, you got to find, come, fucking calm down. And women got to come out against these. It's actresses, man. Actresses are loony tunes. They're the worst. This whole Muay Too movement, it started as Time's Up, and then fucking normal women started to realize that actresses do not represent them. Actresses shit on normal women. Actresses won't even talk to you, won't even look at you as a regular human. They think you're bottom of the barrel, women. They think normal women are garbage to be used as a platform to fucking further their own careers. And by the way, it ain't just actresses. It's actors, too. They're garbage, too. If you make your entire living as just an actor, 99%, you're fucking worthless. They are awful, awful, solipsistic, garbage people. They think the world revolves around them completely. Ugh, I am so happy not to live in Los Angeles anymore where the whole town is fucking run by these garbage actors and actresses. What a shitty industry it is. You have to be a part of. What a shitty industry. And some fucking wannabe actress who couldn't get anywhere. That's a mistake. You don't date a fucking actress. No, I mean, you do. They're hot as shit. And man, they laugh at your jokes really good. They make you feel like you're the fucking center of the world. But they are batshit crazy. And this lady wrote an article. 
Chloe Dykstra pretty much saying uh, Hardwick wanted to fuck her a lot. And she felt like she had to. And so she couldn't get away. And so he was to blame. Look, I'm not even, I'm not even saying – if you want to say like uh, let's help the women who feel like they can't get out of a relationship because they don't feel that they have self-worth, okay, sure. But then to transfer that into blaming a man who was like, yeah, all I want from you is sex. That's not even what he said. But even if he did, that ain't the man's fault. Take it or leave it. That's the offer. He ain't using his fucking male physical strength over you. So then what the fuck are you talking about? He didn't fucking hypnotize you. And by the way, that last line where he goes, uh, I should not want to talk, take flack for this. I know I am, but who gives a shit? Uh, that last line where she goes, she was in the hospital and Cardrick's first, in front of his mother, his first thing he said was, when can she have sex again? First of all, he didn't say that. That just didn't happen. He didn't say that in front of the lady's mom. And if he did, it was clearly a joke. He's a comedian. If his first thing is after the doctor's like, okay, I think he's okay now. I think she's okay now. And he goes, doctor, when can we have sex? That's a joke intended to get a laugh out of her in a tense situation. I mean, I don't know if it's women or everybody, but it's been mostly women with me. When you make a harsh joke, the overly harsh joke, it's all, when someone doesn't get it, it's always a chick. I mean, always. I have gotten so many women that I've been trying to date when you're like, when they're like, oh, that was such a fun date last night. I had such a good time. It's like, well, why don't you fucking kill yourself? And they're like, what the fuck's that supposed to mean? And you're like, it was a joke. No one would ever say something that harsh in response to that situation in which clearly I had a good time too. Let's say it's even more obvious. Let's say I, I wrote, I had a really good time last night. Let's hang out again. And she goes, yeah, I had a really good time too. And then I write, who is this? I don't have you in my contacts. And they go, what the fuck? What do you mean? You just wrote me. Yeah, I'm joking. I just wrote you, so I'm joking. How do you not get it? The overly harsh. God, it's just a technique for writing material. It's a technique. You fucking idiots. And women just don't get that. The same way women don't like jackass as much as men. It's just there's certain types of humor, I guess, that are male and female. But I don't know. If you don't get that someone's set, uh, whatever. Anyway, the point is when AMC and networks like that fucking just pull your show after fucking hours go by without even clearly reading an article and saying, hey, we've read this. Uh, nothing she described in here is sexual assault besides her just writing sexual assault. And then she posted a fucking picture of her looking thin. That's her best selling picture. <laughs> That's her picture of like proof that she's been abused, that she's an actress who looks good. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Look how thin I got. Fucking get help. You a fucking idiot. Oh, man, I have sidetracked way too much. 24 minutes. Okay, guys, let's start the episode. It's just going too far. I get it. I get it, you guys. But I, I will tell you that like 60 to 70% of America is living in fear of speaking out against the occasional too far of Me Too. No one wants to say anything. In private, everyone can talk. But in public, we're living in fear. And I get it. I get what you're saying. Like, well, you know, a lot of women live in fear of reporting. Sure. Okay. That's wrong, too. Don't live in fear. I, I don't know how to help you. But I do know that everybody feels like this shit goes too far. And no one can say anything. <laughs> or you'll be fucking backlashed like crazy. 
just for saying, like, I don't know, some of these don't seem that problematic to me. Louis C.K. doesn't seem that problematic to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you feel like you did. But I know most people that I talk to feel the same. And we're all in fear of being able to say it. What did he do? What did Louis C.K. do? He didn't run up and suck and surprise someone and fucking jerk off in front of him. First of all, let's say this. He stopped doing it on his own. When someone changes their behavior, you got to allow them to say they're not that person anymore. When 12 years go by and someone hasn't done something, you can't still hold them accountable for what they did. The people who we did it to can go, yeah, fucking put me in a position and I, don't, I still don't forgive you. That's your right. But everyone else just hearing about it, like, how can you be this person? Oh, a, a good answer. Good question. I'm not that person. There you go. Run is easy. Fucking came out to his friends six years before anybody else found out about it, that he was lying. Six years. Tell everybody they told, like, hey, I lied about that shit. And we made fun of him, and that was the end of it. And then everyone else finds out that he lied, not to them, but to other people. And they're like, how dare you? You need to make amends. Oh, he did. I mean, Louis wrote those, some of those girls. He said, I'm sorry about this. I don't know how many girls. It's not my fucking thing, but he's not that guy anymore. But also, he asked permission. I know you might say it's not a strong permission asking, but he did. And if he had asked permission to have sex with a woman, and she said yes because she was surprised, and then he had sex with her, would we be talking about this? Only because it's a weird sexual like deviation, and because it's a guy that's fucking up there? He's made it for himself, so everybody wants to drag somebody down. Nobody wants to believe that someone can make it. In anything like like acting, hosting, comedy, they all think it's a fucking easy job. Acting is an easy job. I'll, I'll say this. You need to take like six months of acting class to be okay. You can't just do it off the script. I watched fucking Gran Torino a couple weeks ago, and I remember hearing about it and saying they'd had real hung um, – Hong Asian people, not Hong, but uh, from the Hong dynasty. I don't know. I don't know what the fucking is it. Hong, Hong. Uh, it's a type of Asian, and they use those people uh, to make it realistic because that's who were the gang members in in the in the world of Gran Torino. And these were not actors. These are people who had never acted before, and they managed to get them to become like you know really good actors and 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 to make it really authentic. And then I watch the movie, and it's like, oh no, they've clearly never acted before. They're terrible. They kept taking me out of it with their fucking awful, awful acting. The writing didn't help either, but they were all terrible actors. You need some Hong people who are at least in acting class for six months, not just give them fucking two classes. But after six months, yeah, then everybody's pretty much the same, other than the top like 2% of people who are like legit great actors. But the rest of them, interchangeable, worthless, and they know it deep in their hearts. They know they have no worth, so they have to like do things to themselves to make themselves feel valuable. Only guys like... Philip Seymour Hoffman, only the top level, that dude, the white-haired dude from, from Westworld, only those top-level dudes, if you've got a sir in front of your name, only them are like great actors. The rest are fucking garbage, interchangeable nothings. But everyone thinks they can do it. So when someone has made it, they feel like, well, you made it for some bad reason. And when there's a chance to drag you down, they take it. Same thing with Luke. Man, it's like, all right, sexual assault. Fucking relax. He asked, can I masturbate in front of you? And when one woman said no, he goes, all right. And he slunk off and fucking didn't do it. Where's the crime here? He just 
got badly placed because he came out early in this whole thing. And then when everyone else came out as fucking full-on rapists, he was already in people's minds as a sexual assaulter. Like, no, he's already in that category. It's re- – maybe this fits right now. Retarded. It's a ridiculous time. And there's this fucking feeling out there that people have that it's like, what is everyone talking about? Everyone sort of feels that way. And I mean everyone, but like 70% of people feel that way. And no one can say it. And then what the negative is, when you do get someone who's like a full-on rapist, who, who does something really terrible, who grabs women and fucking sticks their hand up their pussies, holds them down, fucking sexually harasses them at their job when a boss uh, starts sexually harassing you at work. When that actually happens, because of these overreactions, a lot of people now feel like, eh, I've heard this story before and felt like this ain't a real thing. So this must fall into that category too. It's anytime someone says there's a joke that went too far, anytime. I am always on the side of like, oh no, you're misinterpreting it. Anything anyone does on stage is for the sake of stand-up comedy. So like the the purpose was a joke. So to turn it into a statement is 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 it it just it shows that you don't believe stand-up is an art form. Um so like that I'm already like set. So when somebody has a new story, like, look, this joke went too far, I'm like, oh no, I already know. I don't have to read the story. I know you went too far. So let's just say there was a thing that could fall into that category. Like Someone using their stage time to reveal a secret about someone. Or let's say going on stage and then taking a – here's one I think went too far. <laughs> when that guy took that, mic, that guitar and someone was heckling him and he smashed a guitar over someone's head. That's physical assault. That is um, – well, one, he left the stage. But that doesn't matter. When you have the mic, you got the mic. Um, that to me is like you're not intending a joke here. It's not interpretation. Unless it was a work, unless the guy was a plant, and then kudos to you, man. If that's a plant, fucking great job. Genius. Well, well put out. Um, but then it's like, well, you're assaulting something. Like you're, you're not just like hurting them sticks and stones. Wait, but names will ever hurt me. You're actually using sticks and stones. Um, you can't punch somebody when you're on stage. Uh, and I'll... I'll also defend that sometimes, but that's where I could see it going um, wrong. But if I hear like, oh, this guy did something on stage and it was falling into that category, I'm immediately going to go, no, it wasn't because of so many overreactions. And when a lot of people hear about some legitimate case that this Me Too movement has a fucking problem in, and I won't even say the Me Too movement because I think it's been fucking bastardized too much already. When you hear it, you're like, what's this gone wrong? It's like, I don't know. There's no organism called the internet. It's made up of a lot of people reacting. But it's on networks. It's on people who hire to go, okay, well, I believe I've worked with this person for a while. I am not just going to fire him in a week based on these overreactions that happen constantly. Again, I know they're not all overreactions. We all think that. We're getting sick of having to say it every single time because the other side doesn't say it every single time. The other side doesn't say, and I know there's some overreactions, but this is a real thing. They just say, here's a real thing. It's always a real thing. But it ain't. 
And this Hardwick shit is garbage. It's bullshit. Cosplay is not a job. It's not a career. It's a fucking way you make money off your looks. Oh, I wanted to have dinner and he wanted to have sex. Yeah, that's every dude. Where are his friends defending him too? I mean, I'm friendly with with Hardwick when I see him, but I mean, I haven't talked to him in five years. Where are his friends defending him? Everyone's living in fear. It is, it's like the communism shit where it's like, I know you're not a communist, but I can't defend you or I'll be labeled a communist too. Matt Damon, all he did was say like, there should be differences in what happens when different people act and they wanted to drive him out of Hollywood. They didn't even say he did anything. He just didn't support the right cause. We are living in a time now where if you just support the wrong person, not even be the wrong person, just support them. Just be like, well, I think this person's more not you didn't do anything. You just have been swayed by arguments. Then you're just as much to blame. It's crazy. And I just want out of it. I want out of it. I mean, I know I'm going to get one of these things. If it's not a me too thing, it'll be a race thing. If it's not a race thing, it'll be a child endangerment thing. And it'll be about something I said, not did, but said. Or if they get me on me too, I'll tell you how they get me on me too. It'll be any woman who, you know, I like choking. I like choking during sex. And I'll be some woman who'll be like, I didn't like it. And then he stopped when I told him I didn't like it. But for a second, he did it and I didn't like it. (laughs) That's what it'll get me on. Some woman saying that. And then I'll have a bunch of other women who'll be like, oh, yeah, he choked me too without asking. And I actually loved it. But they won't be able to say anything. Um, This already sounds bad if you're like not into choking. If you don't know what violent sex is, you're never going to get that. If you're thinking about it, fucking try it. Try getting choked or try choking somebody. Oh, it feels wonderful. I'm not into the getting choked, but some chicks are and some dudes are. I knew a woman who fucked this dude. She had this boyfriend and he liked getting choked. And his rule was, if you're choking me and I pass out, you better be riding me when I come to. Wow. God damn. But we're living in such a crazy time now of like, Gender disparity. Well, you know what it's doing? It's making people think that women are weak. It's making people think that women don't have... Um, what, there's a word that we just fucking can never find. It's not power. It is... Um, God, I gotta start the episode. Oh, come on. It's um, individuality. No, what's the word? Hold on. Oh, and by the way, what Matt Damon said was groping someone's butt was different than sexually molesting a child. And they called him part of the problem. <laughs> because he said, <laughs> I mean, f- that I'm part of the problem too. I mean, some people are hearing this already thinking that, but like, oh, okay. Agency. Agency is the word. And women have it. You have fought hard to get it, and you have gotten it. So a man is not physically imposing on you or with their job imposing on you, then what the fuck? Then be a fucking full-grown adult. Agency is the ability for a person or agent to act for herself or himself. A person who is not allowed to act for her himself is lacking an agency or is said to have been denied agency. Like uh, in the olden days when a wife... uh, didn't want to have sex with her husband. Um, 
she had nowhere to go to say no. She couldn't say, I don't want to. So they never claimed that shit was rape. And now we're in a society where we do say that's rape. Um, if you're on a bad date with Aziz Ansari, you can just call yourself a cab and leave. He's not physically trying to stop you. And by the way, that whole thing too was hilarious. He didn't read my nonverbal cues. You mean like when you stuck his dick in your mouth three different times? Which nonverbal cues are you talking about? Which nonverbal cues are you talking about? When you just sat there going, mm-hmm, or when you stuck his dick in your mouth? And I've talked to some feminists too who are like, don't want to say Aziz, what Aziz did was terrible, but, um, but they do still think he was a creep. And I'm like, nah, he's just a celebrity trying to fuck. He actually was nicer than most celebrities I know who are trying to fuck. When some chick goes up to you and was like into you and they want to hook up and you take them out on a nice date, that's like above and beyond. That ain't normally done. The culture we live in now is like even in non-celebrities. It's like, uh, you know, you talk on fucking Tinder for a little bit. Then you come over for a glass of wine and you bone. And in New York, the woman leaves because she's got work in the morning. She doesn't want to fucking cuddle with your dumb ass. Agency is your ability to just fucking leave. So all these like women who are like still like, – no, not always. A couple. I saw it a few times actually. Women go, Aziz should have – as soon as she said she pulled away a little bit, he should have called her an Uber or a cab and, and had her leave. And I'm like, wait, but she has a job. And they're like, yeah, so? I'm like, so can't she call herself an Uber or a cab? And they're all like, what do you mean? I'm like, why would he do it? He didn't want to leave. The, the woman wanted to leave. So shouldn't she just use the money she made with her grown-up job to call a cab? Why would he do it for her? And it stumped them all. Why are you thinking that way? Because you think women are weak. And I don't. I don't think black people are foolish the way a lot of the left does. I don't think women are weak. I think they have agency. We've, we've gotten there as a society. We're almost all men that I know, not the fucking rapists, but almost all men. When a woman says, I want to leave, they go, all right. And they fucking let you go. And if you're in a relationship and you're not liking it, that sucks if you feel like you don't want to go. If you don't have the self-worth to feel like you can find another relationship, that sucks for you. But it ain't the guy's fault. It's because you're a dumb actress who feels like your worth is based on you booking stuff. And if you haven't booked stuff, you don't have any worth. That's just you. And no one's got to react and say, oh, she used the word sexual assault, so we've got to react on it. I mean, I don't know when the pushback is going to come. I don't think it'll come for quite a long time. I think people will still be like, I think it's the same as before when you caught a bad joke. When Ralphie Mae uh, got, got, got canceled on a show because one of his bits got taken out of context. The bit was he was comparing Dance with Wolves um, to Goodfellas. They both came out the same year, and Dance with Wolves won the best Oscar. That's why all these people like Oscar so white. It's, it's always been garbage. The Oscars isn't a fucking government group. It's some dumb fucking they, – they care about money more than anything. In the Bedroom lost to A Beautiful Mind. A Beautiful Mind was a garbage movie. Like Gran Torino. It was just bad. The whole, what he was going for the whole time was nothing. He was trying to maintain his 
his his sanity, and then he gets this big award for something he thought of when he was in college. And they're like, "You did it!" The whole struggle was take keep his sanity, and then this award was something he didn't. The struggle didn't help him achieve. He could have fucking drowned that baby in the bathtub. Well, I was hoping he did, and uh, and been in jail or a psych ward. He still won won the award because the fucking math was there, and that happened before he was full schizo. And the bedroom was a great movie, start to finish. They didn't use tricks like a like a standing ovation from a crowd or music to get you to feel something. They just used good writing. It's always been a garbage organization, the Oscars. And so Ralphie did a bit about, about how Dance with Wolves should not have lost to Goodfellas. He's like, Dance with Wolves is good, but Goodfellas is better. And then he goes on and on. He goes, I'm sick of these fucking Native American things taking our good, strong, hardened jobs. These goddamn Native Americans. It was a ridiculous um, response to it. And they took it out of context. They took away the opening of his joke, the part about Goodfellas and Dance with Wolves, and they just showed him going, I'm sick of these Native Americans taking all our good stuff. They've gone too far, these Native Americans. So completely out of context, the reaction was there. And he was like, "How this isn't fair. And I remember going like, it, it was just hitting me then what it was. I was like, Ralphie, you caught a cold. You, called it, you caught a creative cold. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's not fair. But you caught a cold and you just have to deal with it. It sucks. I'll defend you, but like it ain't going to make the cold go away. That lady who wrote that post about Ralphie, when she found out that that thing was taken out of context, she goes, yeah, but still. She wasn't, her anger wasn't even lessened by the new realization that there was more to the story. She shouldn't be angry at all, but definitely lessened. No, her anger is just the same because Native Americans have been killed over the generations. I'm like, yeah, but what does that have to do with this man, this human being that you're fucking over? Well, you got to break a few eggs. There's a quote I read in, um, in, uh, in um, a book, a Tom Robbins book. Let's see if I can find it. Um, it's about p- political people and how they go too far. Uh, let's see. Here it is. It's from uh, Still Life with the Woodpecker. And it's this anarchist guy named the Woodpecker, and he's talking about political movements. And political doesn't just mean like politics; it means like a point of view on like the world. Like uh, Me Too movement is a political movement. It's not about running for office. Um, anyway, and this says that's why I won't join a movement like this. That's the trouble with political people. He said, "There's not one of you, left, right, or center, who doesn't believe that the means are justified by the end." Do you understand what that means? That means like they don't care if somebody's like if a few eggs are broken. They don't care if what you did wasn't even that wrong. They just feel like women should get support or they just feel like um, – well, in Native – oh, this case. This is the case I was talking about, not women here. But Native Americans have been hurt, so this will bring, bring light to their struggle. And you're like, yeah, I know, but like this is a guy who didn't hurt your struggle at all. This guy didn't who make you struggle. He didn't do anything to you. And they're like, yeah, well, the ends justified the means. The means are justified by the end. That's what I meant to say. They're like, if we can get this support, it's okay to hurt 
a human who hasn't hurt us because they can vilify them somehow in his head by this misinterpretation. And that's what's happening here. And it's crazy. I just want one person to sue one of these networks, to sue AMC for going, you can't just fire me for an allegation. You, you can't just do that. You've, you've, you've implicitly said, I have sexually assaulted someone. Women have agency. So use it. And they do most of the time. And we live in a pretty good society where people are pretty fucking safe. It's way better than it's ever been. And people are angrier than they've ever been. And I'll fucking support you if someone takes away your agency. But if you have it, if you have the thing that feminism has fought so hard for you to earn and you don't use it, that's on you. walk away from a guy who's not stopping you from walking away. All right, let's start the episode. Um, I'm sure I'll take heat on this. I don't care. I probably won't read it. And most of the, I already know most of the response. You can, it's so funny. You can tell the response. Michelle asked me too, when she was doing the, the, the um, correspondence dinner, Michelle Wolf. It was like I even predicted with her. I'm like, I know exactly what will happen. You already know this. It's already done. Because history just repeats itself so much. You will get some people who say you went too far, no matter what jokes you make. You will get some people who take your stuff out of context, Michelle, and say you did something you didn't mean. And that happened too. All of this happened. We knew it was going to happen. The percentages and which people are going to come out, it's all fucking there. It's all... Ayn Rand wrote about this in The Fountainhead. I've seen crazy reactions to something, and then I read her book, The Fountainhead, and I could see the reactions already exactly written out 60, 70, 80 years before the new thing happened. She analyzed this response perfectly to these things. So I'm like, Michelle, this is going to happen. And they did. They were like, well, you made fun of Sarah Huckabee's looks. And she goes, no, I was very careful to not make fun of any woman's looks. I did a joke about her hating facts, and I said she can use it to grind up to make excellent eyeshadow or good-looking eye. If anything, I said it looked good. You guys are reading into that because you want to, and the response is going to be that angry, and the other half of the response to Michelle was going to be, way to go, you're fucking punk. So I'm like, it doesn't matter, Michelle, so just go out and do what you want to do, and that's exactly what she did. She did something great, um, according to me. So this reaction is already there. But it's like, just stop it. I just want one person to sue a network to be like, you can't just, you can't respond to this reaction. You need some actual proof to be able to fire me. I mean, artists are going to have to fucking put clauses in their contracts of saying, you, you won't be able to fire me for any tweet I make, any public post I make, um, or anything I did that happened before you hired me. Otherwise, I won't work here. That's going to be a standard. The way the apartment complexes are, are not renting out apartments now without you signing a thing saying you won't Airbnb this place. Anyone who got in early, it's like, oh, you got us. But now we don't want you Airbnb. And so we're putting a clause in. And, and people are going to like, well, I don't want to sign that clause. And the apartment building's like, okay. Well, at least in New York, they're like, then don't rent it. They have all the power there. Don't rent it. You can only do it in a place where the apartment complexes don't have the power, where the renters have the power, because places are left open. That doesn't happen in New York. 
So once the artists get the power, then they're going to have to go like, you need to put this clause in ahead of time because like no trade clauses for star athletes. They're like, uh-uh, you ain't just going to trade me some garbage team. I'm not allowing that. In the olden days, that wasn't allowed, but now they have more agency. They have more power. So they can say that. And if you go, no, we won't give you that no trade cl- contract, no trade clause, like, all right, I'll sign somewhere else. That's what's going to have to end up happening because, I mean, I don't even blame the network so much because they are operating under this huge pressure to fucking do something or say something or everyone will fucking get on them. Because the people who feel like the Louis C.K.'s aren't that much of an issue and the Chris Hardwick's aren't really a problem at all and Aziz Ansari was just a bad date, they're forced to be quiet. So the really open, verbal ones are the ones who are saying, fuck you, die, go to hell. You must fire them. You must get rid of them forever. You must make it so that they can't ever work anywhere again in the world. (laughs) That's the way you'll feel. The only people that should want an apology is the people who fucking they did something to. Unless it's something super harsh. And then you're like, I don't know. And by the way, this all comes out of a place of women not feeling like they can get any response from the from the law if they were raped. If they were raped or se- really sexually harassed at work, which is like, you know the real one. Hook up with me or I'll make it harder for you. Go out with me or I'll make it harder for you. Um, and they felt like they couldn't go anywhere. And because of that, and you go to the cops. Like, I mean, it's not even the cops' fault completely. It's, it's a fucking rape. It's a hard crime to prove. You say it was consent. He said it wasn't. So, like, they're hamstrung too. By the way, cops catch 2% of bike thefts. They're just not good at their jobs as well. And so because women felt like, well, I want a response. I want justice and I can't get it. They're like, we'll take matters in our own hands. That's completely normal. That should happen. And then also what would happen in that situation is people take it too far. French Revolution, they started fucking hanging people who were friends with the people they wanted to hang. It's just the natural response to things. So that's the world we're in now. It's almost like you got to accept it. Um, so like Hardwick, sorry, man, you caught this cold. It's a horrible, horrible cold. It's not even cold. It's one of those fucking bacteria that eat away one of your eyes and make you go blind in an eye because you fucking had an itch and you rubbed it with some shit you had in your finger from Cambodia. It ain't your fault. But come on. Anyway, all right, so I have no answers. I have no answers. Other than what? Everyone speak up? That ain't going to happen. I don't even know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. It's interesting. I know that many people are going to get caught up in it. There's nothing you can do. It started with jokes, and now it goes on to other stuff. The good thing is people ask me in interviews like, Oh, with this Me Too movement, uh, is there um, is it harder to make jokes? Or with Trump, is it harder to make jokes? I'm like, oh no, it's just hard. It's it's more difficult to make a good like rape joke or or a misogyny joke. It's it's more difficult. You got to be craftier with it for sure. But oh, child murder jokes are fucking. It's a great time to be alive if you're willing to do that. You can troll people. You just have to figure out the right troll. <laughs> it's a great time to be a comedian. Um. Anyway, let's start this episode. Jesus, I mean, I mean, come on, Ari. Fifty-two minutes. 
All right, I'll put a little thing saying this. the episode starts 52 minutes in at the beginning. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's start the episode. Ari Shaver, Skeptic Tank, episode... Oh, I got to look this up. Um, episode, I know it's in the threes. 328. 328. I didn't even think of a title for this yet. Freebase, let's call it that. Episode 328, Freebase. <laughs> yeah, fucking boss, man. He got down. Free, who uses free, free bases as a Jew? Ladies and gentlemen, Arch First Captain Tech, episode 328, Free Base. With Rich Voss starts now. Of course, you know that song I was going to use in the intro. Of course, you do. Base. Sometimes, I don't know if you ever go into interviews with somebody, especially on the road, and you're just like, I don't want to be here. Are we on? Yeah, we're on. I've done. I've been on a road where they get me, and, and no different than any other comic, where where they get me up at 7 a.m. 7 a.m., yeah. To go into a, a place to do five minutes of horribleness. You know, there's some great radio guys on the road. There's, sure, there's some. You know. Uh, DC has the sports junkies, Florida. Uh, oh God, is, why is it slip? Cow? I mean, Mike Calta and, and 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 uh, Paul from he used to be Paul and Young Rock. There's some good places, but it's you go in and the worst uh, is when they want you to do material and they can't have oh a conversation. Oh my God! Oh my God! And they're just like, go. And you're like, what do you mean, go? Go. I know. I'm not- you're you didn't dancing. hire me. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like you're dancing I'm monkey. I'm here to help your show. I promote my shows, but I'm here to help you. You're fucking boring ass. Yeah. Let me join in. What were you doing? And I'll fucking add jokes to it. It's Bob I'm and a, Tom. They were the worst. Who? Bob and Tom. What? It. Bob. Who's the one that stayed? Bob. Bob stayed. Tom left. Yeah. Tom used to laugh. Really? And then I got weeded out of him. Tom used to laugh. 
bother. It, it just moves to like, why am I there? <laughs> why am I even here? He brought me in. I was there once, and I've done it like seven times. I played golf with uh, Bob, and then I was here once, and they they kept me in the waiting room. They they go, we have two comics in, Neil Brennan. I shouldn't say comic. They had Neil Brennan, <laughs> and I don't even know who the other comic was. And they go, we can't bring in. There's too many comics. So they brought me in the last half an hour just to do local. I was out of my mind furious. Then I was in there once, and some guy, Haywood Banks, is in there. Black comic. No, no, white guy, guitar player. Okay. And he said, to, he said to me, he, uh, I thought this was a white neighborhood. He said to me. <laughs> there are some old ladies crossing the street. Oh. They stopped. He said to me, we've never met before, this guy. Yeah. I go, well, I don't do B clubs. So it went to break. Nice. It went to break, and, and Tom started yelling. Why would you do inside humor? That's why we don't have two comics in at once. I Who go, are you cares? fucking kidding me? What one inside line? humor? What are you talking about? One line they got. He, he, I go, are you kidding me? Ooh, I said. Inside humor is like, that's why Samantha hates you. Yeah. That, that's not, <laughs> everyone can relate to like, I don't do B club. Okay, that's not an A club. It's a B club. I get it. I don't know what these guys are, but. And it, we were also in a radio station once, me, Bonnie and I together. It's like seven people in there. They were in Florida, Monsters in the Morning or something. Yeah. And Bonnie goes, we walk in, Bobby, Bonnie says, who's the head monster first? And they huh. hated us. Right, right away. Right away. I mean, she burns bridges everywhere we go, but. Uh, She's great at that. Yeah. Oh, oh. We were in a meeting. It was like an NBC affiliate. And they wanted to meet us. We get to the meeting. Asian guy, white guy, black lady. And some multicolored person, just all colors. I mean, it was just as <laughs> fucking politically correct as you could possibly. As a human in, in, in political correctness. And we get there, and they said to Bonnie, where are you from? She said, my mom's pussy. That was the first <laughs> line, right? Well, that meeting was shot. She doesn't care. She'll go for the joke first. Right. That's all she cares about is getting the laugh first. Uh, we were... That's the problem. People, you think that's funny? It's like, I mean, yes, I thought it was funny. Yeah, that's why I said it, a joke because I thought it was funny. Morning TV is makes morning radio look like a dream, though. You ever do? You've done morning. Dude, morning TV. TV though, it's so stupid because it doesn't result in anyone coming to your shows. Those who's watching that? They're it's, watching and passing while they're getting dressed, and the people watching are like housewives. They're just not club. No one who goes to my shows. No, I'm not gonna say they're not up that early, but they're not up that early watching TV. You get up, you fucking go, go, brush your teeth. Get a fucking bagel and you get in your car. Yeah, and who's watching local TV? Local, local morning. Those San Diego it worked okay, but that was the only place I've ever seen it work. Would you work for that crazy fucking San Diego? Yeah, I mean, he moved to like from ABC to Fox, though. He like switched. No, no, up. no. I'm talking about the club owner, the crazy guy. Oh no, no, not him. I won't work with him anymore. I go, uh, I go to La Jolla Comedy Store or I'll do a theater or something. I like La Jolla. It, what was the name of that club? I did it once. Another boy, boy Gap, am I the, fucking in the gaslight? Uh, no, at, American at Comedy Club. What American yeah. Comedy Company? Yeah. So it's Thursday night, and I'm headlining, and then I get a text. He said, "You went over ten minutes. Respect the light." What? As so a headliner? As a headliner, and I—that's Justin's crazy man. He's just crazy all the time. Is he? Not, that guy's nuts. Isn't he's he? nuts in a fun way, but he's nuts. Yeah, I. Uh, 
because I'm I'm trying to burn bridges, so I don't have to email them again, and not so I don't get read. That's what you got to do. So once they find out you hate them, then it's always way easier. Like you yeah. don't want to like put them in a position of like, oh, I, that was just trash talk. I didn't want you to hear that. But if they actually do hear, it, you're like, well, at least I don't I, have to talk to you anymore. Yeah, I fucking uh, I I text this guy. He has a club in. It's like a real. He's a real liberal called the Attic. I think. What's it? Bloomington? Yeah. I think his name's uh, Jared. Uh-huh. Sounds like I a th- fucking dork. So I text him. I go, look, I'd like to work your club, but I don't like you. So the weekend you bring me in, can you not come there? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you'll know one way or the other. Either I'm booked, don't have to deal with you, or I'm not booked. So, Well, I'm not. Because I talked to him on the phone. He said to me once, he goes, I don't know if you're right for the room, really, because I don't know how to fucking work any room. Uh he goes. Then he said to me, he goes, well, I have used magic acts. He compared me to a fucking magic. <laughs> like so far from stand-up? Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you know, when, the, the longer you do this, the more you realize you don't give a fuck about half these people. There's not one thing that makes or breaks you anymore. No. So, so then it's like you're, when you haven't ever gotten booked on the road, you're like, I need that guy to book me. But then once you've gotten plenty of it, you're like, yeah, whatever. You can figure something out. Yeah, you can I'll just do something, something different instead. Uh, yeah, I'll go to a bar. I'll go to a fucking, you know. Instead of doing that $2,500 gig there, who hates yeah. me, I'll do a $2,000 gig over there, who yeah. who I like. Yeah. What's I, the difference? Who's, and it's an okay room. I'll, I'll put a string of one-nighters together. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? I'll just. Do a Yoda run. Well, not that. that I mean my own. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, hey, I, I don't know. After doing this for so long, I always find a way to get by, and I'm always putting out my own content, so... Why did you cross out never again on your arms? The bottom, oh. the bottom. Where? You cross out never and it cross no, out they, again. because it's, it's a traditional tattoo, so you put that... He put those lines in it to enhance it. The, the line through a word? It, it, it's for... It's already... Listen... I go, what the fuck are you doing? He goes, that enhances it. Enhance. If you see if the red was over the whole thing, but not straight through as a line. I might get it all red so you could just yeah, see Yeah, get it. all red. Otherwise, you're pretty much saying yes again. Well, no, that's if you do a circle on a line like that. Yeah, but if you're reading a, a document and there's a line through a word, that means this word is no longer there. That's true, but I don't read documents, so okay. that doesn't count. <laughs> you're right. Uh, but in a traditional tattoo, they put weird shit to in. But you're, I might, you're right. I might do it all red. Yeah, do it all red. Get it outlined or something. Yeah. What's traditional tattoo? Like these old school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you see these people with tattoos now. They're all fan. These are just old traditional tattoos. Those look like fucking Marines that have been gr- grown over, fucking with hair. Yeah. Old it, tattoos. Yeah. It's just, that's what I, I just like the old Where'd shit. Where'd you get your first one? How long have you been getting tattoos? I, I, was, I think I was 20. It's covered up now. These are all covered up. Oh, really? From my what was it, is, swastika? Yeah, with a line to it. <laughs> with a line to it. No, no I mean, no, no Nazis. I'm trying to be the nice guy here. I went to, one time, I lived in this area in Jersey, and it was so trashy and just real. What was it, Jersey? Yeah, and I go to this Burger King, and I order food, and the kid who's serving me the food has a swastika on his hand. Whoa. And I go to the manager, I go, look, I'm not... I don't want this food. I'm not taking it. This kid has a swastika. And the manager, well, if you knew him, he's a nice guy. 
That's the area. Not even. Let me explain this. It was when he was younger, and somebody just if you knew him, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. Nice Nazis. I mean, yeah. If if you're at you know uh, at at a lynching or a burning, you would you'd want to hang with him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you happen to be at one, you don't want to. But if you're there, for sure, he's a nice dude. So you're like you're going to other countries and working. Yeah. And. Is it because, I mean, the podcast and stuff and all the podcast this stuff? lets me go there, but, you know, it's the reason I go is because I have fun going there yeah. to other places. But, I mean, know? people are coming out and stuff. People are coming out enough to support. It's not nearly as good as America or Canada or Australia, you know. Uh-huh. But it's enough that I could, like, put on a show and get my hotel and flight paid for. And then, you know, in a few days of fucking spending money so I can, like, have a good time in fucking Shanghai or something. That's fucking Becky Owen's in Shanghai right now. Same Who is? with me, Becky Owen. Get out of here! Yeah. I thought I saw a picture on Facebook. Oh, really? He was, he was by by the wall or something. By the Great Wall. Okay, yeah. he went to Beijing. That's great. That's great. So I was like, "Do you ever travel?" He goes, "I'd like to. I can't get booked." He was like, "Oh!" And then I just sent an email. I was like, "Who wants to book or tweet? Who wants to book Becky Owen?" And, and then like all these people were like, "Sure, sure, sure." And now he's going for fucking two and a half weeks. That's a fifteen-hour flight, man. So that's why you got to go. Not for two days. You got to yeah, go no. for a while. I went to Hong Kong. It was for like three days, years ago. All the way across America, then all the way across. Yeah. Uh, Hong Kong was a, a a flight, but so like I guess the, the favorite place I worked was what Aunt Holland. I think they get. I think they're a great comedy audience in Holland. What what city? Amsterdam, Amsterdam and yeah. Rotterdam. I, I played Amsterdam a couple of times, or just once. And it was great. Yeah. I think I do get it. I think they speak English. I mean, th- yeah. Tom Rhodes lived there during stand up. Oh, he lived there forever. Yeah, isn't that? That's not where he met his wife. It might. I don't know. I think he met her on the road afterwards. I think he was already done with that shit before. Uh, yeah, we used to do festivals there. They had a TV show we did a couple times. Yeah. England was okay. Did you know Tom... Well, I don't really want to get it, but go ahead. England was okay. Yeah, yeah. wait. Well, you can't say it. No, I was good. Do you know Tom... Were you guys hanging when you were using? No. You were not. I wasn't... When I was using, I was... The only time I'd go on the road was to MC. And I'd go with Bastille, you know, a Who? lot. Frankie Bastille. He was a heroin addict, and I was Oh, yeah. Uh, fucking Mark Maron did a bit about him on my show. Yeah. Frankie Bastille. Just always doing heroin. Wake up and go right yeah. on stage. Yeah. Yeah. You he let you open for him? Yeah. I would host, and he would, you know. Oh, wow. And I did, like, these rooms on the road. As I would get 125 a week. That's what it paid then. A week? Uh, it just hit me. I was like, a day's not bad. Oh, wait, a, a, week? a week? In some clubs, yeah, 125 bucks. It costs like nothing to fly. Yeah. Back. This is a long fucking time ago. Maybe 200 bucks, whatever. Okay. Richmond Comedy Club, Virginia Beach Comedy Club. I did a couple in... I worked with Hicks once or twice in Houston. Rudolph Hicks, the singer? Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I worked with him... Uh, in Lubbock, Texas, I think, right when he broke up with his his girlfriend that he was dating forever, so he was miserable. Oh fuck! It that must have f- been a cool week then. Fucking miserable. We went. Uh, true story. Well, he's dead. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's long dead. So we get into a cab, and he says, "Is there any like prostitutes?" You know, and a, so the cab driver. You know, I'm gonna. So he goes to one, the first place. Knocks on the door, and she opens the door and says, you're a cop, and closes the door on him. <laughs> then he takes us to another place. I was sitting in the car. I didn't, he takes us to another, and she opened the door and looked at him and said, you're too young, and slammed the door on him. 
he did a bit of a five minute bit on how prostitutes wouldn't even fuck him in Lovick. It was really funny. <laughs> it was miserable. His girlfriend broke up with him. Prostitutes wouldn't fuck him. Who were just saying no, no, no. What do you mean you fuck for money? What do you mean no? I worked with him and this guy Danny Brown from Texas, and I picked up a a, a stripper when I was there. She was fucking smoking, man. You picked her up at the club. You yeah. convinced wait, at the at the strip club. Yeah, you convinced a stripper to go home with you. Yeah, that's and impossible. Let me tell you something. Well, we were comics in town, so this is in Lubbock. So we were celebrities. You were probably. out of towners. Yeah, and the, where you this is no bullshit. It was the club, and then behind the stage were three rooms, like cement rooms, no windows or whatever, and you stayed behind the fucking club stage behind the club like it was oh, wow. almost prison environment <laughs> <laughs> and i have some fucking stripper in there uh it was fun i mean i, I saw great so i did those clubs back i don't know what hosting i don't know what the question was but were you using when you knew uh, oh Rose? yeah so i didn't really no Tom. I knew Tom when I got clean. I met him in Florida. He used to. He's from Florida, I think. I think so. Yeah. He started in Florida, but I always got along with him. He was always a nice guy. Super but back nice. in the day, he had long hair. Uh, he was like the best looking comic on the planet. Girls fucking loved him. Really? He was like fucking, you know, F- Fabio or whatever. Fazio. What the fuck's his name? Fa- Fabio. Yeah, I know. He's just this long hair. Why do you use a reference from fucking 14 years ago? Because I'm just trying to bring in an older audience for you. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get... <laughs> so, because uh, that... No one has long hair like that now. No. A shag. No way. Like a shag. And yeah. He was a real dreamboat. <laughs> Fabio? Oh, <laughs> no, Tom Rhodes. Tom Rhodes. Uh, then I, I worked with him doing a uh, festival in, in, in Amsterdam. It was great. Me... Me, him, and Tony Woods did, like, the nasty show. Uh, of course, I closed. Uh, you know, I mean, they're good kids, but, you know, Rich Voss is on the show. He's going to close. Uh, <laughs> and what a dick. I've done so many fucking festivals in, in Amsterdam. But I, I want to go to Ireland. Have you ever worked Ireland? Dublin once, and I'm going to go back in November. I'm doing it again. It was cool? It was great, man. Those Dublin crowds are fucking, they're boozers, and they're fucking happy. Well, yeah. they, I wonder if my humor would go over in, in Ireland. I mean, I, what, why would that be the first country? Well, because oh, that's funny. Look at that. <laughs> See, after you walk three miles, you kind of lose it. And when somebody says something as funny as that, and you don't acknowledge it, acknowledge you look it. like a like, di- you know. look like a dick. And it was very funny. I'm gonna, I, you know what? I'm gonna quote that. You know, <laughs> on my next patio podcast, I'm going to fucking quote that. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if Ireland, if. No, they get you for sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, they don't always get the stuff that we don't realize is purely American, like about Obama or Trump yeah. or whatever. Like the things we think everybody knows. Not everybody knows. Uh, um, TV shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Anything about like women or your wife, they'll get Personal, all that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're personal, you're personal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they speak fine. I just want to go to Ireland and play golf. So I, I got to work there and play golf. I play golf in Scotland. I did. I played two public courses when I was in Scotland. Yeah, me too. They were pub- You play golf? 
I'm bad. It's been so long since I've, and I was never as good as you. Uh, I mean, I got down to like, I think like a 16 handicap was uh, my lowest. That's not bad. It's not bad. So, I mean, I could keep up and play, but then it's like drop. I'm probably like a 35 handicap now, man. I, I barely yeah. play at all. I go back and forth from fucking low middle 80s to I can't hit a ball completely. Isn't I took, it crazy the difference where they just fucking sh- shag shank, three of them out to the right? Shank them off the yeah, hat. like, what the fuck? I almost cried on the course last year. I, I'm telling you, I almost started crying going, why is this happening to me? Wow. Because I play a I took up archery last year because I couldn't hit a golf ball. Really? I was so depressed. I go, I got to do something. <laughs> so I took a fucking archery. Uh, I played in a fucking outing yesterday. This place, Bayonne Country Club. I've heard of that. It. Oh, no. It, Bayonne is a temple in Cambodia. Yeah, it's right across the fucking uh, oh. the Hudson. It was the most amazing. It's 200,000 to join the course. And they had this fucking. That's why Corey Bucker was at, where I fucking took a picture with him. Uh, it was. But you had to walk the course. There was no carts. And these fucking hill. Oh, I, really? Did you, get a, did you get a slave? I. I of course. Okay. Well, we had caddies. Yeah. yeah. These guys, yesterday was like 100 degrees. These guys are carrying two bags up and down fucking hills. Wow. So now the tournament took care of them financially. So I'm playing with four other guys. I was a celebrity in their group, and I feel bad that they got me. But it was either me or one other football player there. So after the tournament. Tony Danza. Huh? Tony Danza. Yeah, I know. It's just some fucking, you know. Uh, So I I go, we got to tip them extra. So the guys each go, uh, we'll give them 40 apiece. I go, there's fucking three of them. That's it. So they, I, I did it on my own. I just do them what, you know. What'd you give them? I gave them 80. 80? Yeah. Each? No, just eight. Well, no, they got eight paid. To the pile. 80 to the pile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these guys got fucking money. Pay, you know, give, give I would have gave them 100. I would have gave him 100, but I needed 20 to tip the fucking, my driver who drove me home. And Bonnie goes, you're not supposed to tip drivers because they get tipped. But still, you got to tip. Do you get tipped? Yeah, it's included. The tip is included. Dude, whenever they send me a driver from the airport at, at a club, and I'm like, all right, but now you're not giving me free transportation because yeah. I got to pay this guy 15 to 20 bucks, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. So yeah. I could have just gotten that, a $20 cab. Then what am I even doing? Yeah. I always got to. Well, I, when I go on the road, I rent a car. I got to have a. Always? Nine out of ten Depends times. where. If I'm coming to like New York, I ain't renting yeah. a car. San Francisco, no. I'm not renting a car. Uh,. Because I'm going to go take off and play golf, so oh, right. I rent a car. But if it's fucking the middle of the winter, even still, I want a car because I don't want to ha- depend on some fucking Uber or some kid to take oh, me to yeah, radio or yeah. take me back. You know, I just want to whatever. I love when they're shocked that you're like, okay, just tell me where it is. I'll get to radio. They're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I have a car. I can yeah. operate <laughs> yeah. like maps, and I know how to drive the car yeah. and use maps and can junction with each other so I can get there. Just tell me where to go. You don't want to get into some fucking local MC's car that's dirty as fuck. He's asking you 10 million questions this early in the morning. You don't even want to fucking talk. You know, leave yeah. me the fuck alone. Uh, <coughs> at night, I'm ni- nice to the new comics. I always put new comics on. I always give them guest spots. That's good. Do you really? Yeah, I try to. I, uh, you know. I'll do it once in a while if I like, if, if I know them or something. I, 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 I'm always like, it's a good show. I don't want to fuck it up with some two-year comic. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not talking Saturday on the no, right, right, Thursday right, right. Yeah, or something. Yeah, good point. That's different. You know, I know Saturday, forget it. Maybe a late show. I don't know. Uh, so I don't, I don't know where I was at. I'm just talking. Wait, when did you? St- okay, 
So very good. What? <laughs> good intro. First of all, let me just say this before we start. The Rich Voss roast. Before we start? <laughs> yeah. Before we get into this fucking topic oh. too much. Oh, okay. Rich Voss roast is available right now at richvoss.org. No, at, at vossroast.com. 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 Uh, I was there. It was fucking great. You, Bonnie, Big J, Colin Quinn. Uh, Bobby Norton. Bobby Kelly, Norton. Florentine. Yeah, it was good. Florentine had one fucking killer joke, but I don't remember what it was. He goes, Bonnie left Canada to come to America to get stupid rich. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what a well-written joke. <laughs> I know. He, uh, oh, yeah. Bonnie, my favorite <laughs> joke of the night, I think, was when Bonnie looked at Norton and said, your radio show is so bad, I'd rather listen to my daughter drowning. That's fucking, I mean, you can't get any more brutal than that. It was great. It was great. And I love how stupid Keith was like, I won't go up there just because his fucking arm doesn't work anymore. It's like, all right, well, Keith, just so you know, everyone wrote jokes about you, so they're still going to say them. Yeah, say, I mean, Louis Gomez was on it. He kind of filled in for Keith. Oh, yeah. I like Louis. Don't get me I'm a big fan of Louis. I don't care for him, but that's fine if you do. That's all right. I Really? <laughs> He's garbage. Okay. He's a shitty person and a shitty uh, entertainer and a worse promoter. That's why I like him. Okay. Because <laughs> so, I'm better than him as a person. It does make you feel good about yourself whenever you know, he's around, for sure. Uh, you know, so he filled the minority fucking spot. Oh, right, right. Yeah, you need that. But I wanted Keith so bad because he's a good friend. I was, And Keith, the reason Keith didn't do it, not because of the stroke, because he's still doing stand-up and he's doing it. Because we, during Patrice's roast at Boston Comedy Club, it was... A, a monster roast. Yeah. We used to have him at Bo- <coughs> Were you in town? Do you ever remember Boston? I did Boston, Boston Com- once. Okay. Because so- what's-his-name was running that, right? Well, Cats. a bunch of different... Barry Katz owned it. Yeah. Yeah. So, did Wayne Ray to help book that ever? Yeah, at times, okay. probably. I think I may have met him through that, though, actually. Yeah. And then when he went to stand-up New York, he was like, no, I know you. I can book you there, too. But yeah, I remember doing it once. I was like, this is a cool room. Yeah, we used to have... I mean, we had some major roasts there. Patrice got roasted. I, I hosted that. Norton got roasted. I hosted that. I got roasted. I think Norton hosted that. Barry Katz got roasted there. No, I think there was another one. I mean, and it was packed full of con. It was fucking. So we're doing the Patrice roast. People are fucking slaying. And Keith comes walking in from the cellar. And he goes up and he tries to ad lib a roast. It was fucking ugly. Really? It, you got to write those out, man. Your charisma doesn't get you through those. Not a roast. Uh-uh. No fucking way. Uh-uh. You got to uh, fucking, yep. you can't just like hype it. You got to fucking write something no. well. You got to fucking, you can't even, you can't even fucking ad-lib a roast battle, more or less. No, exactly. Roast. I've seen people that are like, you know, the dancey comics, they get yeah. up and like dance, they try roast battles and it's embarrassing. Oh, you judge, you're the house judge. Yeah. You see it and you're like, <laughs> yeah. hey, your normal cadence doesn't work here. It's nice. You have to prepare written material. <laughs> it's, uh, so he went up, and he bombed so bad. He, it was, it spread throughout New York. <laughs> it, it was a brutal. So he didn't want to go up because he was scared. I think he he still has fucking bad nightmares of what happened. Damn, that's hilarious. Uh, so Keith was there. So my roast. So, what made it great was there were so many comics there. When comics are in the room, and and plus. To make comics laugh, too, I mean, it's not fucking easy. It's a great feeling, though. It, it really is. When you're doing well and... and when and, other comics are laughing, it's like, and, it's so rare. You know, and we were just so fucking brutal. But you could tell we were all good friends, you know? It's yeah. not like... Uh, 
whatever. It's how roast should be. That's what's missing from the roasts. It's people that uh, some people don't even know. I, I wouldn't even mind it as much. I still don't like it. I wouldn't mind it as much if it was like, if it was like, I'm your friend, and you also have this friend from high school, and I don't know the friend from high school, but at least we're both friends with you. Yeah. That's like not ideal, but still okay. At least we all know the guy who we're roasting. You know, he knows yeah. us all. Ideally, though, it's just all friends. You know? Yeah, or worse comes to worse. Say, you know, obviously, uh, let's say, you're right. Say Joe Rivers get roasted. No, not her. I mean, when the comics get roasted, at least if they put another comic you don't know, at least they're a comic. At least they're a comic, right? A comic. Like I looked up yeah. to this person. Something but to when do. When you have it. a fucking chef or a reality star. Some or, chick from Grey's Anatomy. What the yeah, fuck what are the, you here? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. You know, and like, well, who should it be? Any comic. How about that? Yeah. Any comedian. I remember when Joan Rivers was getting roasted. You could tell she was getting mad a little because she's like, who the fuck are these people are talking about me? Yeah. Who are they? And they're saying this about me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was on a Trump roast at the when when the Friars broke from Comedy Central. The oh, Friars really? still did their own roast. And it was at the Hilton Ballroom. 2,000 or 1,500 packed. These were big roasts. I remember I was on the Trump roast. Regis Philemon was hosting it. Uh, everybody in New York that was every club, anybody that was anybody was there. My father, his wife, Bonnie when I was dating her, Opie and Anthony, you know, everybody. So the first guy goes up, this guy, old guy, Stewie Stone. He's killed like I've never seen anybody kill in a roast. Just up front, just killed. Fuck you, Trump. Fuck it just. I go, I have to get out of here. You know, the dais has like 20 people or whatever, Only, but only certain ones are... I was sitting next to Isaac Hayes, but he wasn't roasting. It just... He kills. I go, I'm going to end my career today. <laughs> I'm going to end it. Susie Essman uh, from Curb goes up, just fucking destroys. I'm, I'm backstage. I kept going back, smoking. I'm having cigarettes. Worried. I go, I, I have to... I was going to sneak out. I really was just going to walk. Really? Just to leave? Yeah, leave. Because I, I go, this is, I can't follow this. <laughs> There's no possible way I could follow this. Then Belzer goes up and fucking eats it. Perfect. I go up and I fucking, I pulled out maybe. Thanks, Belzer. I pulled out a seven. for 30 years. I, I know. I pulled out a seven. I, and one, I, I, don't fuck me. I'll bring Belzer back. But my opening joke. <laughs> Sell out a friend. Yeah. He's not a friend. He's right. a fucking arrogant douchebag. Did you know him? No, I worked with him before. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Belzer was one of the first comics to do crowd work in New York and around the country. He, he was like, really? he was like, oh yeah, he was like one of the first comics hmm. way back in the day. And I, I really respect what he used to do. But that, anyhow, so long time ago, I went up. Regis Philman was hosting, and it was a month after Dangerfield died. So I walk up, and my first joke was. Uh, you know, a big hand for Regis with her. I go, originally they asked Rodney to host this, but he said I'd rather be dead, <laughs> right? And it was kind of like... Uh, uh, people are like, come on, man. Come just on, thought. it's too soon. <laughs> now it'd be fine. Huh? Now it'd be fine. Now it'd be yeah. too late. Back then it was too soon. And Al Sharpton was on the sitting at the dais, and he was that's what, in the area when he said he was going to run for president or whatever. I remember that. And I said... And he, I, I looked at him and I go, the only way you'll make it on the White House property is with a lantern in your hand. <laughs> <And> fucking. 
I, fuck him. I don't like him anyhow. He's anti-Semitic. Dude, he is man. anti-Semitic. Fuck him. He At really least in is. my opinion, he's anti-Semitic. He is. He's uh, been on the record of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. guys decided to do this roast, or Bonnie put it together yes. for you. She said, what do you want to do for a birthday? She said, what do you want to do for your birthday? I said, do a roast. It'll be fun. Yeah. Then she put this fucking thing together. At the Village Underground, the comedy cellar's the other space. And it was, man, it was great. So many comics were there. We all had fucking dumb Rich Voss tattoos, <laughs> press-on tattoos. What a great touch that was. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. And we, uh, we did a video. Uh, we had an animator do a video, Patrice from the Grave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> talking about the stuff that's gone wrong since it's been gone. Yeah. Patrice, and we took all clips from, from radio where Patrice was smashing me, and you can see the headstone jumping up and down as he's trashing he spoke. Yeah. God, that's it, right. It was fucking funny. We didn't put that in the row section. Why? Sp- I don't, it didn't fit in. It just, it, it, it's in the extras or whatever okay. or somewhere. I don't know where. So, what do you get when you get it? How much is it? Ten bucks? Five bucks to Five rent bucks. it. Five bucks to rent it, ten to buy. Okay. And. Uh, VossRoast.com. Two S's in Voss. One S. One S? Yeah, Voss. V O S. Oh. Is One that drink fu- Voss with two S's? Yeah. Oh. I don't have anything to do with that. I guess not. As you can tell. That's why they named it two S's to get, <laughs> cut you out. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I if you like, you'll love it. You'll, you know, the whole thing was, uh, you know, and, and there was a big party after it. All this food it was, was there. The food was good. I stayed was, late. There was cake. It wasn't even cut. It was probably a $1,000 cake that somebody they donated just to get their name on our podcast and stuff. You know. The food was fucking, it was like. Dude, finger food was so good going around. Yeah. Any party where you're like, somebody walks by with a plate of like 15 things, you can just yeah. grab one you're like, or two. Oh, Plus, there it. was a buffet there, too. Uh huh, afterwards. Uh, I, I was so out of, I was so nervous that day. Yeah. I was just because ner- I got to close this fucking thing out. And these are all murderers. The whole day, I was having fucking anxiety attacks. Right? And all my mind well, yeah, is I'm you thinking, close that out. I go, when am I going to piss? I got. I know I'm going to have to I'm going to piss myself. I was thinking about buying diapers. Just wear a diaper. <laughs> That's what piss on stage in a bottle. Nobody we, fucking goes for it. When we used to do Last Comic Standing, I was on with Dave Mordell, and we had to go, you know, it was so nerve-wracking. I never had to do one of those one-on-ones in front of people. They, they call, he used to take a towel and wrap it up and yeah. put it in his underwear in case he pissed. Really? Yeah, it was so I like Dave Mordell. Uh-huh. I like that guy, Dave Mordell. I know. He was such was a great writer. Houston? No, Minnesota. Minneapolis. Or, well, Minnesota somewhere. So, uh, I was, it, it was... You know, you think something like that... You know, I don't know. You seem really laid back or whatever. And, but whenever I do anything, TV or anything, I get so nervous. But that's the reward of doing this for so long when you... Is what? It's anything. You, know, you get a TV spot or... What's the reward? What do you mean? That you work so hard and then you get rewarded by doing... So you're nervous whatever. about this reward coming. Yeah, and you should be excited. Yeah. This is what I work I for. I thought people took beta blockers so they can't feel nerves. So they it's just they just fucking perform. Yeah, well, that's uh, those those are basically high blood pressure pills. They're, they were made for high blood pressure. Oh, really? Because I asked my doctor about them. Because I get fucking performance anxiety like a motherfucker. Yeah, especially in big moments, you don't want to just be yourself. Yeah. Like, if you're doing your 12th Tonight Show, like, who gives a shit? Yeah. You know? But if you're doing your first, it fucking, like, oh, shit, how is this going to... Well, I knew when I was doing this fucking roast, the room was going to be packed. There was, like, club owners. I invited all the comics and fans. If I fucking bomb on my own roast, 
you know, I mean, following those guys. I'm, you know, I pulled it out. Thank God Anthony from the audience heckled me because then it put me in club mode. Anthony who? Anthony Cumia. He, he started heckling me from the audience and I fucking buried him. <laughs> and it put me in the kind of... That's, I think that's all of it just to remember like everything should just be treated like a club. Yeah. Like a club set. And then when you do that, you're like, oh, I'm relaxed here. What am I trying to be someone I'm not? Yeah. You know? That's why I, I have no, uh, what do you call it, uh, no desire whatsoever to do late night TV. Mm-hmm. Like, Bonnie's great. She did, killed on Fallon. Killed. Mm-hmm. She could put those sets together. She, she did three Letterman's. I, it doesn't appeal to me because I don't want to go up and do five minutes that they plan, that's planned out. Or, yeah, it's pretty shitty. You know, it's just it's. And you're too dirty. So am I. Too just dirty yeah. for it. Well, I, I mean, you I could do it, but it's I like, could clean it up. But then it's not fun. Then you're not being yourself. Or might be a good actually exercise. I'm just thinking right now to like try to put together a set that's not like not you, but that's still you in five minutes. It might be a fun like actually. Well, like, I did I did the Brigada, and I, they were only twenty minute sets. Yeah, and they say keep it PG thirteen. So I kept it clean. I'm still doing. See, the problem is when it's not only being clean. That's easy. I, it's like, it's not being, offensive. It, being politically correct. That's the problem. Non-offensive. Yeah. What are you going to say that's going to piss somebody off or fucking, you know, uh, that, that, that's too edgy? You know, you could be fucking edgy without being dirty. And, and none of those late night shows are going to, you know, it just... Doesn't it? Yeah, I figured that out. We had Caparulo used to be like book Hermosa Beach Comedy Magical. They were always like, can't be blue. But I'm like, he curses, why not? And then we figured out because our other friend doesn't curse, but he was talking about like the price of oil going down, going up. And he goes, I'll fucking crush. Oh, he doesn't curse. He goes, I'll crush an Iraqi baby's skull with my boot if it means 20 cents less a gallon. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, that's what they mean. It means yeah. people are going to walk out angry. It doesn't mean whether you curse or not, it means people are going to walk out angry or not. Yeah. So they say curse because that's all they know how to like do, but like, it ain't about that. Yeah, it's about. I I was doing a club in Detroit. I don't fucking know whatever club that is, R- R- Ridley's or something. Fucking oh, pack yeah. every night. Mark Ridley's. Yeah, pack. Yeah. Every, it's like a fucking warehouse. Uh-huh. And I had over the week. I did over a thousand people, but he didn't bring me back because a, a table of Arabs left. Or were offended. They might not even have left. They okay. were offended. You That's know. why you don't bring somebody back. That's just, you should, what you should do, the guy from Zanies does this in Chicago, he just goes, okay, you guys should never come back here because you're not good audiences. If you're going to get offended at that, then sure, we actually don't want you. You're going to ruin shows. He says that? Oh, yeah. He's like, get the fuck out. He's like, well, then he said this. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Don't ever come back. Don't ever come back. You've got the wrong attitude. I can see it on you right now. You're getting yes. mad about what? About stuff that I'm going to keep promoting. So get the fuck out of here. It's okay if we don't have your business. We don't need everybody's business. Well, Co- comedy is counterculture. So that means culture is going to be like, hey, well, don't do that. So, like, get out of here. This is counterculture. Yeah. And do some fucking research. Know who yeah. you're going to see. Yeah. Go online. If, you, if you're if you easily offended, you know, uh, the Harris, when they used to, the improv was at Harris in Vegas, he used to have a sign out front. You know, there's going to be certain things said, whatever. If you're easily offended or something turn around basically you know fuck it you know if you're walking in just 
whatever. Get the yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with a bunch of fucking babies. Okay, so let me uh, let me ask you about this time you're using because I know you as a sober guy, but I don't want to know how long it's been since you fucking touched anything. Thirty-two years. Thirty-two years. Yeah. Oh, you're surprisingly old. I always forget that. Yes. You don't strike me as the fucking eighty-three that you are. I'm. Uh, are no, you? I'm Six, pushing 80, 81. Uh, what'd you say? Are you sixty? I'll be sixty-one next week, or yeah, in a week or so. so this is your sixtieth birthday. The roast was on roast. my 60th birthday. So you didn't do it since you were 28 years old? Yeah. Wow. What was going on from 20 to 28? Whew. Well, no, I started getting high when I was 15. High on what? Weed? Weed. Oh, well, that's nothing. Then 16 probably. Although 15 is pretty young for 16. That. I guess we were doing acid at 16. Damn. What? That's young. It is? It's fucking, Yeah. We were doing blotter acid and window pane and shit. Wow. THC. THC. That's just weed. No, those were, these were pills back then. Who had horse tranquilizers or oh. whatever the fuck they were. Oh. They'd fuck you up. <laughs> Damn. Quaaludes. Quaaludes. You know, fucking yeah. nice. That's a, you just age yourself. There's I no remember, Quaaludes anymore. They don't do them anymore? Nah, they'll do whatever's in them, but they don't do Quaaludes. I remember we, like we, I, me and my friend hitchhiked to a, an outdoor concert at Pocono Raceway. It's like 10 bands, Emerson, like in Palmer, Badfinger. It was one of those big outdoor. And all I know is I did quaaludes, and I was so fucking, it started raining. And these bikers just, they made a tent out of their bike. I think they were Hell's Angels or whatever. They were mm-hmm. nice. They liked me. They just said, come sit under in here. Really? Yeah. I was, what did, I was so fucked up. What did quaaludes do to you? They knocked you the fuck out. They the downer? Yeah. Just high as fuck. And just like yeah, laying there? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I remember laying on the ground like that, and my sister was at the concert, and I saw her, but she didn't see me. I was so fucked. Thank God. Yeah, it was my older sister. So, you know, we are doing drugs or whatever throughout high school. and Yeah. Then we, you get out of high school, you know, you get an apartment with your friends. You know, we had our own place. We had the biggest parties ever. We had Halloween parties every every year, 150 people, and... Every year, somebody would jam a fucking roll of toilet paper in the toilet. and But we had the biggest, I mean, known for the biggest parties in town. Yeah. And we're all high. And, and then you, you, you know, you start to progress. You get older, and you start doing coke. Then you get in the coke phase. Coke is the worst. And, you know, I was a, I had no money. Like, I, I've told, I told this story at, uh, this is. I turned into a bit. I I just taped an hour special at a NA convention. It was all people in recovery. Oh, no one's ever done it. So, dude, what? Before you go on, no, go on. I, I was just gonna say NA conventions, NA things are the best audiences on, on the planet. There's nothing you can say <laughs> to like shock them. I know because they're like, oh, I blew my dad for yeah. fucking $20. Yeah. I, I, wh- yeah. what, what's your issue? And, yeah. and it ain't yeah. that big a deal. They're all Please, just having a I good time. I pushed my friend out of a window. Yeah, exactly. So they're just like, they don't judge. They're just here for the fun. Oh my God, they're good audiences. So I was, a, you know, I was uh, doing coke, but I remember, I mean, I owed everybody in town money. Did I you ever do what's his name's thing in, in LA? No, I was, I was rich. Who? No, 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 no. The big roundup thing you're talking about? No, no. They had an NA convention show in LA. It's the guy who write, writes for from Chicago, and he writes for those like uh, cop shows, those Chicago cop shows. Fucking, what's his name? Why am I not remember his name now? He was a comic for a while. 
Oh, he's not Fuck. a comic anymore. He's a writer now, but like a showrunner writer, like yeah. he's up there. Fuck! Why am I not, why am I blanking on his goddamn name? That's oh, killing me. Anyway, go ahead. So I was just scan. You know, I owed everybody in town. I, I go to a party and I had to look over my shoulder. Wow! Not this one bar. They had a you know I passed bad checks. And I was on this the absolute deadbeat list in this bar. Really? Yeah. Wow. For passing, but you know, I was I did coke and I had no, you know, I was a scammer. I, I used to go to garage sales, right? Yeah. And they would have like old sets of golf clubs. They're like fucking, you know, five dollars. These old, you know, just like old Ben, old Hogan's. I mean, just like the shittiest. So I'd buy a set of clubs for like five dollars, okay. and I go to a dealer. I go, give me a gram on credit, and I'll. Leave my golf clubs as collateral till I get paid. Uh-huh. Right? Just take them. <laughs> you know, I go. Do not sell my clubs. You act like you care. Yeah, yeah. These are my these golf are Hogan's. Clubs. These, these are, are these fucking clubs. Ben Hogan. There was drug dealers all over town with fucking garage sale golf clubs. <laughs> you know, that's my first set of clubs. Is one of those mix yes, and match with a couple that don't even fit. I, you know, so I. Who has a two iron? Yeah, they had fucking one irons and yeah. two irons. Yeah, like. Who the fuck even God can't hit a one iron? Even God can't hit a one iron. Exactly right. Uh, so you know, and then I went through the phase of my life of I used to have a painting business, but I used to fuck up, just do coke, and I had a big bit. I had seven guys working for me. No comedy, just just that business. I didn't. I wasn't in comedy yet. I, I had seven guys working for me when I was like twenty four years old, twenty five, and I, back then I was paying them eight dollars an hour. So you know, I'm. $60 an hour or whatever in payroll. I had a big business. Started best biggest painting business in town. But I, you know, I was just, a, I'd fuck up and party. And How did you ruin it from, with Coke? So you party at night. But well, okay, on the week, during the winter when week work was slow, you know, people wanted me to do their, so they would give me deposits f- to come in the spring. You know, they had to give me a deposit or else... And I would spend it on partying, whatever, rent, you know. And you know, and then I would take nice Benjamin Moore. You know, I'd say I'd paint with Benjamin Moore, you know, which is 20 a gallon, whatever. And I would just take the cans and pour cheap paint into them. Really? So they saw you doing... <laughs> no, but you can tell. Just, I remember paint... So what clients would be like, oh, he's using Benjamin Moore. That's yeah. Great. And then the house starts peeling a week later. <laughs> I was just a scumbag. I was a drug addict. I was a scumbag. Uh, and then it, it, I started freebasing. And that's a whole other level of fucking... What is freebasing? Crack. Freebase. You don't know what freebase is? sort of do, but not fully. It's what prior, or how he burned himself. Is that when you just take tinfoil and put no. it over... That doesn't work. You bring it down to the purest form. How? Walk me through I it. I guess you distill it. There's oh, many ways. Else does you, before you get it. What's that? Someone else does that before you. No, get it. No, no. If you you do it, if you're doing it yourself with coke, I mean, there's different ways. There's baking soda. You put it in with baking soda, and I, if I you you boil it, and then it turns into like an oil, and you pull it out, and that's pure coke. Oh. All the shit, or ammonia, or the people that were doing it with ether were the crazy motherfuckers. If you're clean it with ether in a room. And a, just a spark can blow up the fucking room. That's how powerful ether is. And that's how prior blew up on that? Yeah, he was cooking it with ether. Wait, so then how would you smoke it or do it? Then you put it in a pipe with a filter and you light it and just inhale it and let it go. 
you don't want to try this. Folks, you do not want to do this. I'm just telling you. Yeah. And it's like the rush. You're like, you know, so you're chasing that rush all the time. How instant though. was it? After you smoke right when you get in? Immediately. Immediately. Like you, on, as on you're blowing exhale? it out. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's quick. Weed is not that fast. No, weed. No, weed's. Listen, weed's a whole nother level of pussy shit compared to this. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. No one's. No one's <laughs> arguing that. No one's <laughs> no, arguing weed no. is stronger than fucking freebasing. No, I mean you know people aren't fucking robbing and blowing guys for fucking weed. How much does fucking crack cost? I have no idea now. What was it then? Ten dollars a vial. A little. Was while. that a lot compared to the other things? No, it was maybe three, four hits. Three or four hits for ten bucks. Yeah. So the equivalent Five now hits. probably like thirty bucks with inflation. I have no idea. It's thirty two years later. I mean what like what was ten bucks worth back then? Like thirty money? bucks now? Ten bucks of money was worth yeah, probably thirty bucks now, right? Yeah. So three hits, how long would they last you for? Once you once you inhaled and exhaled, like how long would that how long would you be gacked on? Oh, ten, fifteen minutes and you don't know. Just all night you're chasing that. Yeah. That first hit. That's how every drug is. Yeah, you're chasing that. Chase the, first. the dragon, right? Yeah. You, you try to, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but you try to chase the first hit of the night, and you're also trying to chase the first hit of all time. Of Your the very night, first time you night. get high, you've never been no, high because like you that. don't remember that, so you just remember from the night. Right. You know, and the whole thing, too, you know, getting the money, going up to Harlem, you know, I used to go to 158th and 8th, I used to, I have key, oh. I had keys to the front doors of buildings. Well, like Yeshiva University is, that area? 158th and Amsterdam. Oh, they're 185th and Amsterdam. Yeah, 158. It was. I went up there with a comic once. I mean, I got a couple shorts. I don't want to. But uh, this okay, one comic. It's been 30 years, bro. Nobody This cares. one comic. We took him up there after our gig. And there's a guy chasing another guy around with a knife. I'm getting out of the car. And he goes, he's got a knife. I go, he's not after me. It's not my fucking problem. And I just walk by him and go upstairs, you know. Wow. Excuse me? Excuse me? Well, I mean, he said in his book. I've told this story a million fucking times. So, but I'll tell it again for you. It, we were doing a gig. So last time I'm going to tell the story, the story. So you're the last okay. person okay. to get this. Okay. Uh, we were doing a gig. It was me and Bastille. He was a heroin addict, and I was a, I was a crack addict, right? Freebase. He was a heroin addict. I was, so we pick up this comic. We used to pick up the comics at the Improv. There was the old Improv was on 44th and 9th. Okay, well, way over there. That's where the improv was. It was a great club, too. So you pick up the comics, and then you go out to your one-nighter. So this comic comes in from out of town. We pick him up. We take him to the one-nighter. Yeah. He has a couple props. Real white kid. So we're supposed to drive him back and drop him off at the improv. And we go, well, hold on. We're going to make a couple stops. So I go up to 158th. And he's already a wreck. Said, what the fuck is it? I go, my sister's up here. She's not doing well. I got to go give her money. So I get out. He's fucking, he's never been in a place like this in his fucking life. He's from Arizona. He's yeah. a little white kid. <laughs> so then. Just, just ruining him. It's, it's, he's like, get me the fuck back to the improv. So we go, we leave there. I go, one more stop. And we go to Lower East Side, Alphabet City. I, yeah. it's like, whatever. And Frankie Cops heroin. For Tompkins or something? Uh-huh. From Tompkins Square Park? No, it's somewhere down there, yeah. whatever. And now, he's in the car, he's a mess. I think Frankie might even be shooting up in the back seat. He could be, I don't know. 
but the kid wants to fucking, and, and it was David Spade. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was his first time in New York. Wow. <laughs> it was his first time. And I didn't know who he was. Then I saw him on Saturday Night Live, and I go, that's the kid we kept hostage. <laughs> <laughs> we took hostage. <laughs> that's the kid we took hostage. He put it in his book, he just didn't use our names. Really? Yeah. Well, he may as well have. Huh? He may as well have. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. But we kept him hostage. I remember one time wow. me and this comic who passed away, it was great. This guy, Bob Woods, everybody loved him. Did impre- okay. Just a great guy. We're going up to Harlem to cop. So we get a cab back. We just copped. We're taking a cab from Harlem to New Jersey. And we're in the back seat, and we're bending down, hitting smoke. And the cab driver's like, this is back then. So you got to be careful up here. All these crack addicts, it's crazy. As you're doing you get, crack in the back. As we're in the back seat. So for some reason, then he saw us, and he goes, can I have some? A hit? <gasps> and we gave him a hit. Well, he kept, we go into my, this, another comic's house. As the sun's coming up, the cab driver <laughs> spent all his money on coke. From, from you? Well, no, from the guy's house we went to. Yeah. He was selling it. Uh, and it's just, you know, you don't stop. Once you start, you just... You just keep until going. Until all the sources are tapped. I was driving my mother's car one night. Some guy hit it, smashed it. Fuck, I go, give me a hundred bucks and go. So Someone, you can have a hundred bucks to, to use yeah, that night. we were going to cop. Someone torched my mother's car. I owe drug drug dealers money, and they lit my they mother's. They lit your mother's car on fire. They torched it. Yeah, and did you give them their money? No, I said now we're getting a new car from insurance, and you're not getting your money. But the detectives, happy, drug dealers. The de- you're happy now. The detectives came and everything. You know, I mean, they fucking lit. Did you have to tell them like I don't know who would do that? I don't know. Yeah, no. Or were you like, yeah, yeah. these guys used to cop? I don't remember. I don't think I snitched. Snitching's wrong, but also like you're implicating yourself if you tell them yeah. you know them. Yeah, but you can't get in trouble impl- saying, hey, yeah, I did drugs. You There's can't always get- stories of people who like uh, had their weed stolen and then call the cops and be like, you stole my weed. It's like, oh no, dude, it's not, it idiot. can't be the actual drug yeah. that you're reporting. But I can, you can't get in trouble if you go to a cop. Yeah, I was getting high. If they catch you with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, if you go to a call. cop, I raped or murdered, then you can get in trouble. Yeah. So then when it got into freebate, then it got bad. And, you know, addiction just grows. And at some point I said either I'm going to die or go to jail. I mean, I went to, I tried to get into rehab. One night I smoked an eighth of Coke myself. Yeah. A whole eight, you know, three and a half. And I an went eighth up, of Coke. Yeah, throughout the night. I just kept smoking it. And I went to Fair Oaks Hospital, the famous rehab. And I'm sitting in the way, you know, I go, I got to check in. And by the time they saw me, they go, well, you don't have health insurance. I was straight. I I came down by then. So I just fucking left. But it was a couple of weeks later. You know, I really fucking. And then I put myself in rehab. Um, And and then real quick. And in rehab, they go, you got to quit comedy for a year. You know, so. But today. People, places, and things—they don't want. They, they thought I'd be around alcohol and drugs. So the first I day, see, I, I can see that though. Yeah, but the first day I got a rehab, I did comedy that night at a club, and because my desire to stay clean was a lot stronger than my desire to get high, I already surrendered. I was beaten down did so you really? bad. I was. I said I can't do this. 
you felt it like I'm done. Oh yeah. Give I, me help. That's when I went to rehab. I I remember the day I went to. Re- I I called this guy that used to book one nighters. I said, Gary, I need a one nighter tonight. I'm going to rehab tomorrow. He gave me a one nighter. I made sixty bucks. That's what you got paid. Sixty dollars. Went to New York. Cigarettes, tolls. I bought four vials. I smoked them till sun up. My mother dropped me to re- rehab, and I never got high since. <laughs> what? I mean, you knew it was your last time? Yes. You do, going into it, going, this, this is, is it. Let me, this is let me it. last hurrah this. It's my last night. You can't not. If you're quitting anything, even if you're on a diet, you're like, well, let me have one last gorging yeah. meal. You can't not do it. It's just too hard. I remember when I tried to quit smoking, I went to see this hypnotist in, in uh, Boston, the mad Russian. Okay. Back then, he was real famous. I sat outside the place and smoked a whole pack in a row before I went in. But, yeah, I, I knew I'd be dead if I kept going. Did you have, like, health effects? No. No. You didn't start to get, like, well, I don't know, not, like, lost teeth, but, like, something like that. My or, teeth were or, fucked up. They were. Throughout life, anyhow, I had bad teeth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. But I guess that didn't help. Uh, I don't think there was... I don't know if I had health. I, I mean, I had a kidney stone once. I went, you know, we, we did a run in New York all night. Then I was driving back, and I fucking pulled in this hot holiday in and fell on the ground. They took me to the hospital. Yeah. I had a kidney stone. They gave me a bunch of morphine, whatever. It was next morning I woke up, went back to New York. You know, Damn. I mean, it, it was so powerful. It's so powerful. Addiction is powerful. Look, you guys, all you guys at party, whether it be drinking or pot or whatever, you know it's still a daily routine almost. You know, so you're not dealing with a physical addiction. You're done with in two weeks a week. It's out of your body. You know, heroin, barbiturates, whatever a physical addiction is, alcohol. You mean once you quit, it's out of yourself in two weeks? It takes whatever to detox out of your system. Coke doesn't have that. What you're dealing with is obsession and compulsion. That's what you deal with with addiction, whether it be gambling, uh, food, anything. It's the obsession and compulsion and what's triggering that, whatever's happening inside you as a person. But, you know, people that, you know, if you smoke, I'm not saying pot's good for you or bad for you at all. I, I don't give a fuck. I'm not saying that. But... You're in your mind. Your obsession and compulsion with getting high. You don't need to get high. You don't Jones over pot. You don't go. Oh, I got that pot. But in your head, you're going. Oh, I want to get high tonight. Exactly. It's the obsession and compulsion yeah. of it. Same. You know. And yeah. once you start, eventually, when you get clean, at some point, the obsession and compulsion will be lifted from you. You know, some people. I don't know. Two weeks, a month, a year. But it will be lifted at some point. And then you transfer addictions and buy rings or clothes or jewelry. Golf. golf. Stupid hats. Yeah, you know, stupid. No, these are nice hats. Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, I. Yeah, Argus. You remember Argus Hamilton? Yeah. Uh, I don't know him, but yeah. I know of him. But he was like, I was like, when did you quit smoking cigarettes? And he's, because he used to be a big coke addict. And he goes, you know, I quit coke and it was smoking cigarettes and when i started running it was like i couldn't do both yeah and i just like whichever one gave me the biggest high but he goes i was gonna do one of them obsessively either smoke cigarettes or run so he chose running i quit cigarettes like 12 years ago i was smoking three packs a day 
Damn. Three packs of Marlboros. Damn. Reds? Yeah. Fuck, bro. I'm not bullshitting. Three Fuck. Why packs. is your voice still here? I I don't do anything unless it's in fucking. Unless you go for it. I just, I can't not. I, I'm not a, I can't just do anything in moderation. It sucks. You know, I started doing these, trying to do 10,000 steps a day. Mm-hmm. I keep looking at it. how many steps am I at? Where All the time, I? obsessive. Well, I, I want to get 10,000 in. It's fucking, you know. Did you use the program to get help yourself get clean, or did you just stop? Yeah, I went to meetings. You do? Okay. I still go once in a while. I still do you go. really? Yeah, yeah. I try to. When do you I, still have weakness? Do I still have what? Weakness? Weakness, no, but I, I'm addicted to other things, you know, I spending. Mean. It's a powerful addiction. Yeah. You know, if, there was no Amazon back in the day. There was no fucking, you know, just filling that empty hole, that void. Look, who, who the fuck wears four? Who wears four, four diamond, diamond rings? That's ridiculous. Hold on. <laughs> oh, oh, a diamond necklace too. Oh, Jesus, bro! Is that Jewish star covered in diamonds? Yes, it yeah. is. Who does that? Just someone who's a little empty. I'm not. I mean, lie. when you're on the road and you're like, oh, let's go to a mall. You're like, really? I'm just trying to fill the void. Yeah. Because we could easily just read. Or do, I don't want to go to a mall. It's not like, yeah. oh, I need to get this one thing. I don't. Let me just go and see what I can take my money and spend it on. Listen, if I, I'll go, like when I go on the road, Thursday night I go to Walmart, get my groceries, golf yeah. balls, whatever. But I, I'm at Walmart three days a week probably. Three times a week. Yeah, three days. If I, if I, I went in the other day to get something we had to get, I bought another pair of shorts and socks. I didn't need them. I go, oh, fuck. What's... Really? Yeah. I mean, I wore the, I, I like to show. I mean, I have black, red, and white. I go, well, I don't have blue ones. You know, the and one, the long shorts are mm-hmm. comfortable. I don't have blue ones. What the fuck? I bought them. <laughs> Let What's me get them. them. Let me get them. I, I don't have them. What's 16? so <laughs> dumb. So wasteful. <laughs> no, I wear them. It's crazy. My closet, the clo- you don't have to tell me. Yeah. You're so practical in life. Dude, I buy shit so rarely. Every time I see, like, yeah. you know, when Facebook sends you a thing, like, this was you 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, I still have that shirt. Yeah. It's cra- I feel embarrassed, but also, like, kind of proud. Well, I do have old clothes, but I, I just, you know, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to buy anything. You don't I need got them. four Five. Wait, one, two. Five backpacks full of survival stuff. Three in the house and two in the car. I mean, mate, like all kinds of survival shit. Wow. I was buying. I was getting stuff from Amazon every day coming in. Fucking machetes. Everything you can imagine in case of fucking anything. No reason. No reason at all. Just like, eh. No reason. No I used to get when I get high and I order stuff at night, but then I forget about it because I didn't really need it, so it wasn't like this thing's coming. Yeah, and I would just get an Amazon package, but I was such a hoarder and like a procrastinator. My place yeah. in West Hollywood, that would just put it in the corner. I'd be like, I'll do it with it later, and then another one would come. I'd pile that up, and then I just have this thing of this pile of stuff that I have for over two years, just <laughs> piling up. And then eventually, people are like, "What is my like, presents to myself? I don't remember what they are." That's hilarious. When I, I finally opened them up, just Christmas in July, they were doubles of things. They had ordered eight months apart. <laughs> I had two <laughs> vacuum sealers for no reason. I don't I, need one. I ordered another Almond Brothers T-shirt. <laughs> then I go, well, do I have that? And I looked. I go, I got one. The exact the one. The exact one. <laughs> so I, I canceled well, the you order. You liked it. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was a cool. I gave it to Bonnie. I go, it didn't fit me well enough. I just bought a T-shirt. I got it. I'll probably wear it tonight. A prior T-shirt. A T-shirt. Yeah. 
I had it hemmed so it fits better. Oh, what a dork. I'm gay. It was yeah. too baggy. And yeah. I like, it, I love the shirt. I didn't want to throw it out. Yeah. I mean, I guess that would work. Huh? I guess that would work. I mean, hemming it. But, like, I mean, I have favorite t-shirts. I'm like, I wish they were fit a little better. Yeah. So I can't argue with it that much. Did you? Were you dr- boozing the whole time when you yes. were? Yes. You were. No, you got to calm yourself down. That goes in between the drugs, right? As you're doing them. Yeah. You get high and then you go, I got to calm down. My heart's going to explode. And then you drink. See, that's, that's the problem I have that I deal with. I go to a 12-step meeting. Uh-huh. I'm not bringing anonymity in any way. And people are saying, well, I can't go to this wedding because there's going to be alcohol there. I go, oh, you can. You got to live life on life's terms. Yeah. But if I was doing comedy and everybody was in the audience smoking freebase, would I not be, you know? You'd want it, for sure. I mean, at some point you go, what the fuck? You know, so alcohol wasn't my drug of choice. I drank. I'm an alcoholic just as much as anything else. It's so accessible. Yeah. Well, everything is. But when it's, you know, right? I remember. I mean, you don't have to look for alcohol. It, it finds you. It just appears where you're going to be. I remember I had probably maybe a month or two sober, and I was working in, I don't know, some part of Florida. It could have been Tampa, somewhere. And I pick up this waitress after the show. Amazing how hot she was. I don't know how I got girls. How I do was, you get girls? I, I used to have long, curly hair. And, uh, I'll show you pictures maybe later. Uh, I, uh, so I pick up this girl, a waitress or whatever. She was fucking a 10. We go back to my hotel. And I'm making out with it, and I taste the Coke, and I got like, I go, what, what is that? She pulls out, I'm telling you about an ounce of Coke. What did you taste, from the drips? I, I, in her mouth, yeah. kind of. I, from, take, uh-huh. I guess she put it on her gums or Jones something. you Jones right away. You're like, I looked at it, I go, I go, what is that? She goes, oh, Coke. And she pulled out, I go, look, you, you're going to have to get out of here. I mean, first we're going to fuck, but then you're going to have to leave. So I fucked her real quick, and I go, you got to get After you're already sober. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, you got to go. You can't have her around. Keep I can't, saying, come I on, can't. come on, do something. Come on, do something. Yeah. A, a fucking ounce of Coke, and she's fucking me? At least you're fucked. I to find a picture. Of her? No, of, my, of me when I was. Oh, yeah. Uh, dashing when you were a fucking huh? dashing young man. Uh, come on. Hold on. I was, I was a fucking. I. I Listen, I was getting so much fucking back in the Were you 80s, really? Back in the 80s were you really? when you were a How comic. You Here's, oh, wait, I just had it. Jesus. <laughs> what the fuck? Adidas sweatshirt, two chains. Those were silver back then. What a fucking douchebag. <laughs> well, I, had I hate that guy. <laughs> that's how my wow, curly wait, hair. The that's, how my hair. Hair, that's how my hair grew. But wait, God. let's see if I can find the high school. Oh I, I mean, God. right out of high school. Look like you're from fucking a TV show. I I had long curly hair. Wow, just a stunning Jew. A stunning Jew in high out of high school. Wow. Oh, you look like a, a dweet. Look at the zits. I had zits in that one. Oh yeah, look Still at that. Still the chains though. You love the jewelry. Jewelry. Yeah, it's fucking. And here's me as a kid. The middle one. The middle one is you. Yeah. Yeah, there you're normal. It's a little fat, but normal still. I wasn't fat. That, that shirt was baggy. I remember uh, those shirts, though. That, the neck is also baggy? I'm not sure. Uh, no, the neck is nice and full. I was never a fat kid. <laughs> That's hilarious. Say what you want, I guess. Say what you want. 
Hey, look at Fatso. Say what you want. <laughs> I don't want to get you upset. I know your blood pressure is getting high. Um, when you saw, so you're in comedy. You've seen addiction. Do you ever? I'm thinking about Geraldo in particular, but like, do you ever feel an obligation to try to like help somebody, or do you just go you everybody's say, on their own path? I just say if you ever if you ever want to talk, call me. If you ever need, you know, I you can't help somebody that doesn't want to help themselves right. in life. So, you know, we know certain comics that are still out there. They know you're clean. They know where to go. Nowadays, everybody knows where to go to get help if you want to get help. Sure. So you can't say. Uh, nobody's helping me. No one. You know, there's fucking 10 million types of 12-step meetings. There's fucking counseling. There's therapy. There's, you know. YouTube videos. There's every fucking thing on the planet. You know, but I always say, you can call me anytime you want if you want to get clean. Does that ever happen? Well, for a while, but then they go back out. No, I'm saying people actually comments I've had, actually Yeah, I've talked to, to you people. Said, yeah. hey, I, I don't know what was happening. Yeah, or hey, I got 30 days now, or hey, I got 20 days. You know, uh, it doesn't happen a lot, but, you know, I mean... The crew I hang out with, none of us really party. We're all fucking, you know, old and out of it. Yeah. Bobby, Norton, Keith. Keith has some drinks. Every, Do you but, ever think, well, yeah, I mean, you always have that, that yeah. big glass of wine. Yeah. Do you ever think that addiction like that, like go, going, just going for it, like, like you did? Do you ever think that is just kind of a young man's game and that naturally you would sort of stop when you hit your 30s and 40s and 50s? Uh, I think... Addiction is addiction. Who knows? But I do think as you get older in life, a lot of people do, you know, you, you, do, you, you have more responsibilities. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you get married, you have kids, you buy a house, whatever, you know, in the real world. Uh, but everybody's different. But addiction, once you cross that fine line between here's social use. They're social users. But once you cross that fine line as an addict, there's no turning back. People go, oh, I can have a couple drinks. But they'll go right back into where they left off. Yeah, 9 out of 10. So social use, though, you can go hard on social use. You can go for it four nights in a a, a row. But it's still like, I'm not addicted. I just happen to have four nights in a row. Yeah, yeah, you could could be that person, yes. Where you don't have that. And then you don't do it for, you know, alcoholism, too. You can only drink once a week. And still be an alcoholic. How do, what does it do to you? How does it affect you? How does it affect the people around you? You know, uh, you know. I mean, it's not usually that a heroin addict or alcoholic does, only does it once. But once you cross, you know what I mean. Yeah, but once, once you're you cross, an addict, you're always being an addict. Yeah, once an addict, always mm-hmm. an addict. You know, and like I see so many comics, they go, "Oh, I, I'm I'm sober." And they're, they're smoking pot. You're not smoking sober. Smoking weed. A lot of people smoke yeah. weed when they're sober. Yeah, but they're, they're not sober. They're fucking... They don't drink. But you're still altering your fucking mind. Yeah, but do you think that those alterings don't affect them? Like, like the, the best uh, definition of... Or understanding of addiction that I've gotten. I was talking to Dr. Drew. And I was like... Because he's always said weed is, is an addictive uh, substance. And Rogan's always like, no way. And so I asked him, I was like, do you really think that? And he goes, okay, I get why you're thinking that. Who's that to Drew? Dr. Drew. Yeah. I, guess, I get why you're thinking it's not. He goes, because you smoke weed and you go on stage. You get take care of stuff. You write. You do things. Rogan's the same way. He gets yeah. stuff taken care of. He goes, but there's other people who smoke weed and then don't do things. Don't take care of stuff. And it's not just like 
they'd happen not to. Like, they mean to, and then they smoke weed and don't, and they go, oh, fuck, I didn't get take care of this because I smoke weed, and then they go smoke weed again, and then still don't do it. So it's the effect it has on your life. If it's getting in the way of yeah. the things you want to do, that's addiction. And it could be eating uh, seat cushions yes. or whatever, but if it's getting in the way of what you want to do. And if it's affecting people around you, too. Okay, okay. Also, which people, you know, usually an alcoholic addict has... There's at least four people around them affected by it, you know, and and hmm. yeah, if you're look at there's there's what do you call it? There's functional heroin addicts. True. There's people that shoot heroin and they function on a daily, you know, doing what they have to do. You're still a fucking addict. Only you can make. Only you within you, you know, Whether can make that decision. Once though, once you know on certain people, yes, you know. Once, once you walk into a fucking meeting or into a rehab, there's a reason. There's a reason. You're not going to a meeting thinking, uh, "Do I? Am I maybe?" Or you're not going to. You know, there's something in the back telling you. Yeah. You need fucking help. Yeah. So, you know, and if you're listen, if listen, people can go, oh, you know, what a pussy or this. Thing. It's so funny when I'm on stage and I go, you know, I do a bit about I'm um, clean or whatever, and you hear somebody in the audience go, pussy or whatever. Like, Shut the fuck up. You're drinking a couple of wine coolers on a fucking yeah. weekend. All right. Tell, <laughs> when you have guns held to you, talk to me. All right. When have people, you? yeah. Why? When well, one time we were copping from these guys. And my friend tried to scam an extra one or two, and they all pull, pulled out their guns. You what know? do you mean scam an extra one? It's like, pot, like he tried to, the guy lost count or whatever, and he tried to steal. Like, and they put just you know, I go, hey, that was him, not me. <laughs> <laughs> huh. You know, I was with a dude one night, me and Frankie and some Puerto Rican dude. We, he goes, look, I got a shotgun. If you guys want to go rob a fucking crack house, and we go, no. Because they have lookouts. I go, we'll get killed. Right. But you think about it, you're going, hey. You consider it, right? You consider it, you're going, well, maybe we can get away with this. We would have been dead because they have lookouts. You can't go right. into a place. With a shot, shotgun. Yeah. You're just going to get fucking shot and killed. They all had guns. All these drug dealers. I mean, they all had guns. You see them on the table. You go in, there's guns on the table, drugs, you know. Damn. It's just, you know, but a lot of it. The drug use was the excitement around it. You know, you're like, whoa, man, I got the keys to the front door of the building. I go up, you know, they know me. I'm a good customer. And you think, you think you're somebody. You're just a drug addict. It was exciting, though, wasn't it? There was times it was exciting. Did you and feel fun. like Lou Reed? Did you feel like fucking, <laughs> no, you know? Yeah, there was times where, look, I'm not going to lie. I had good times partying. They weren't all bad. It was towards the end. That's when I hit my bottom. Okay. You know, I mean, I had fun. I didn't, you did. You know, I mean, when before I like hearing both versions before, of it. Before free, I mean, yeah, we used to go to concerts. This is before free base. You know. Yeah. You know, free base is a whole nother level. It's just you're, you know, let me lock myself in a room and get high. It's not really a social f- drug. You're not really going out socializing after your free base. You're just fucking sitting in a room in a, in a kitchen or with people, and you just on the get floor, high, whatever, and get high uh, on the floor. That's, Fucking TV, that's movies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just get a couch, <laughs> you know. But you know, when we were partying, we used to go to concerts. I seen everybody in concert. You know, the Who, yes, all the bands back then: Bowie, Elton John, you name. We went to and we were always high. Bob Dylan, the band. I could tell. I could tell you a hundred Springs. You name them. We saw them. The Ramones. Everybody. Damn. All we did was go to and party, and we had we go to parties at night. You know, when we were younger, and it was fun. Yeah. 
fucking, you know, drinking, going down the shore, doing the whole Jersey sure. thing. Yeah. The whole, you know, partying all night and fucking, yeah. But I was young, <laughs> you know. I was. But that's fucking, what I mean by young man's game. Like it goes yeah. through the rambunctiousness of youth. Like people, like people in Boston, they fight, and then eventually they stop fighting when they get to like forty. Not everyone, but like yeah. it just slowly slows down. You know, they're like I don't want to fight anymore. If somebody bumps you, you're like eh, whatever. But you know, when you're twenty three, somebody bumps you, you're like hey, you got a fucking problem? Yeah, I know. You're just a puppy still or something. Well, one. You, you can't get hurt as bad. I mean, you can, True. but you don't, you know. Yeah, your jaw's you know. not like, this might be fucked forever now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you know, there was, I remember at a bar in Jersey, these guys got in a fight. Yeah. This guy punched another guy. The guy fell, hit his head on a rock and died. Guy's in jail for murder. Wow. And murder. All he did was punch a dude in the jaw. And he fell. Fell, hit his head, died. Because he had a couple of drinks or drunk. You know what I mean? Damn, not worth it. My cousin, when I was young, died in a car accident. Drunk driver hit the car she was in. You know, people get drunk and high. They get behind a the wheel. They think they, you know, you your, your reflexes, just everything is not there. I mean, they're affected for sure. People say, like, weed has no effect on driving ability. I'm like, I don't, I'm just not sure that's true. It, it, I can see not as much of an effect as alcohol, but no effect. Yeah. And I drive high all the time. It's got to have some effect. I mean, I'm not with it mentally. You know, you're, and you're and you're more relaxed, so you're not as uh, what do you call it? Uh, sharp, sharp, or whatever. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I look. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm. I never preach. Don't do anything. I'm just saying for me, and I'm saying it usually doesn't end up well. You know. It, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, there's never... You know, you're an exception to the rule. There's a lot of comics that party. You go to the fucking Rose Bells or the stand when there was all, all those young... Where are they going? If you think about it. I can name five or ten off the... You know what I mean? What do you mean where are they going? What are they, what's happening in their careers? What are they doing? Where are they, where are they going? Yeah, not You much. know what I mean? They, they, they see this career as a party. It's, it's, well, I knew a lot of comics who quit, even weed, because they were like... I'm not doing anything. And right now yeah. I'm a stereotype. I'm smoking weed all day and not doing anything. Yeah. People are like, it's not the weed. I'm like, okay, I'll agree with you. It's not the weed. But I'm still the guy who smokes weed all day and doesn't do anything. I'd way rather be the guy who just doesn't do anything. Yeah. Than, got, than, you know, than be that first guy. The industry at some point knows who to hire and who not to hire. Who's responsible, who's not responsible. Mm-hmm. Who, whatever. You know. So, I it's mean. It's not to say there's, it's terrible to fucking get drunk with your friends. But, like, time and yeah. place, you know. What you are you know, doing? Uh, there's whatever. I mean, the, the only comic to me that could party and get away with, I mean, the way at, at a high, is Stanhope. Doug, yeah. Is Doug. Yeah. And because he's so fucking brilliant. Yeah. He's such a good comic and he's going to draw his audience no matter what. He's such what. a long time drunk, though, that it's like, that's just who he is. He knows how to handle drunk. Bridenstine, or, or, or Mike Burns was saying this, that he thinks. Uh, when you get pulled over for drunk driving, it shouldn't just be a blood alcohol test. It should be a tolerance test. Because he's like, yes. my .08 is way, I'm way better at driver than that guy's .08. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you can't just say they're all the same. And Doug Stanhope handles his alcohol. Does he, he drinks more than he, he gets high? He barely gets high, I think. Oh, really? Unless it's, like, you're talking about Coke and stuff, but weed, he, I don't think he touches oh. it much at all. But he, he's the only guy I could see that, 
you yeah. know, I'd go see him or I'd watch him or listen Fucked to him. Up. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. He as good as he is. Yeah. He's got he's probably to me the the best comic, one of the best comics of our generation, I think. In terms of social commentary too. Yeah. He's up there with anybody. And his writing though, when he's re- yeah. I've you know, I used to read some of his stuff. The open letter to fucking Dan Cook. Did you ever read that? Oh, I don't know if I did. I gotta find it. Oh, uh, it's gr- I mean I'll I'll read it in the outro of this podcast episode. Let me write that down. But it was great. It was all about how he's like, oh, you think we all hate you because we're jealous. It's, it's not it. We're jealous of a lot of people, and we don't hate them. <laughs> you know? When he wrote that thing about comics that were teaching comedy, uh huh, that was fucking amazing. You know what I like about him, though, that I really try to like learn from him myself? It's so, like Kyle Cease, he put on that comedy class, charging people whatever. For- I know. He suck- suckered me in to come talk. I Did didn't even really- know yeah. what it was. And, I was uh, in Minneapolis, him and Louis Anderson, wow. and and Louis calls me. Wait, then you can get in no, touch. Go, so, no, go. Louis calls me. Hey, it's Louis, and, and I go, "Who is this?" I thought it was just some. Such an easy like, imitation. He, he goes, "I see you're in a." I was at some club there. I don't even know. I think it was act. No, it wasn't act. It was not and it doesn't matter. Comedy, yeah. House of Comedy. Or, he goes, uh, "Can you come and speak to comics tomorrow? Whatever." You know, I go, I'm playing golf. I really, I... He goes, well, we can pay you 700 bucks. I go, to speak? So I go, what the fuck? So I get there, and they put... Now it's not speaking. They put me in a group, and I got to sit with these guys and talk with them and girls. Whatever. You know, I'm just in... Get me the fuck out of here. I don't mind talking to new comics. But not when you have to be. And not when I'm getting paid. Like, I thought I was just giving a lecture. Yeah. I don't know what it was. So then I find out they're charging these comics fucking, or these new people, stupid fucking money. Uh-huh. Stupid money. Uh-huh. And I was, I was really pissed. You to a few thousand, depending on your package. It was like 2,000 bucks or something. And I didn't know that until I read, I think, Stanhope's article, or I found out. I didn't oh. know they were charging them. I never asked a comic anything I might have found out before then. Wow. But I didn't, I didn't know that day. Yeah. I just left and went and did my shows. And then, you know, then it gets out on the internet that these guys are charging. I'm like, whoa. I was there one day. And I, I felt horrible because if I knew that from the I would never have done it. There's no fucking way I would have done it. Then he writes that article, Stanhope, and it was fucking brilliant. So what are you saying about Kyle Cease? Oh, so, you know, he shits on that kind of thing. But then later, Stanhope has a suicide pool. Do you know what those are? Yeah. No, well, it's Not a, suicide pool. Sorry, sorry. Uh, death pool. Yeah. Um, it's just who's going to die this year. Famous people. And uh, Cease is in it. And I'm like, oh, how's Kyle Cease in this? I thought you hated him. And then you come to realize from listening to Doug after a while that, like, he doesn't have to hate you because of one bad thing you did. He just cannot like the one bad thing. Yeah. But everyone else writes you off completely. He's like, oh, no, that's shitty, but you're still a guy. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Just, yeah. That, that, I'm never going to change my mind. That thing you did is shitty, but yeah. you're fine. You know? It's something I have to, have to remember sometimes. That's like, kind of cool. That's a good way yeah, to look exactly. at things. Yeah, exactly. Like, fuck you. It's like, hey, fuck you. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't hate you. I just that, what, that you wronged that person. I, yeah, but you if know. you keep doing, though, if, you keep, if you're the kind of person that keeps fucking people or doing Yeah, shit. then eventually that's who you are. Yeah. Uh, 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 Ansan Suki, this uh, uh, Burmese leader, they were asking her about- uh, Who? Ansang Suu Kyi yeah. is her name. 
won a Nobel Peace Prize. She was under house arrest for like 20 years. And they asked her about like uh, judging the Burmese people who like put them down, the army. And she's like, a lot of them are just soldiers. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. And she goes, the problem is if they give up power, there's going to be a lot of people who want to like kill them all. You know, who say they're done. You yeah. know, we had a revenge. So we can't, they're not going to give up power if the revenge is on the table. We got to take the revenge off the table, except for the people who like have gone so far. But she goes, too many people uh, make you your actions instead of just some actions you've done before. If you jaywalk, you're not a jaywalker. You're just someone who's jaywalked. Yeah. She goes, even murder, you're not a m- murderer. They want to make you a murderer, but that's not. You're just someone who has murdered. She goes, now, there are people who have murdered so much that you are not as who you are now. You are a murderer. Yeah. You know? Tiger Woods is a golfer. He's yeah. done it so much. I've played golf, but I'm not a golfer. Tiger is a golfer. Yes. So, yeah, it's like you can separate people's actions from who they are as a whole person. And people uh, forget that too much. Yeah, but you got to draw a line, too. If a dude rapes once or twice... He's still a rapist. Okay, but let's say 30 years have passed and he fucking did 20 years in prison. And he was like, oh, okay, I'll never so, do that again. Yeah, but he, that, well, now you pay, he paid for his, yeah. he paid the price for what, his yeah. actions. Every action has a fucking equal reaction. Yeah, I think that's so, something too, this forgiveness that's out there. You got to like. Well, uh, yeah, if some people, you fuck up, you fuck up. Uh-huh. People also might never forgive you, but then it's like, I don't have to hold you accountable for something you didn't do to me. Yeah. 35 years ago. You know, you were freebasing. You stole from people. Yeah. You never stole from me. No. And you haven't done it in a long time. No. Uh, so it's like, I ain't going to hold you accountable for that. But I'm sure yes. someone back then was like, fuck that guy. He stole me a hundred bucks. Yeah. I owe one guy 700. Do you really? Yeah. Who? The guy in front of me, a uh, quarter ounce of Coke. Guy my, from my hometown. If he found you now, would you give him the money? Yes. You would? No. I don't think, I don't know. I think about it in my head. What I, I've thought about it many times. Uh-huh. Uh, it, I don't know. It was drugs, and it was. It, he didn't lend me seven hundred. If he lent me seven hundred without any question, I you pay stole him back. it, huh? You stole the the, the drugs. No, he, he fronted. fronted he fronted to me. It's kind of loaning you. It's drugs. Though. I At don't least know give him the wholesale value of it. That's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, he was out. I know a dude that stole seven hundred dollars cash. One of my roommates from my room. Then he came, he was getting sober. He goes, I thought it was another one of my roommates. He goes, I stole that 700 bucks. I mean, it killed me when it was stolen. I mean, that was everything That's a month. Awesome. I mean, this is back then, $700. I owed money. You know, I, went, I go, well, you did it when you were high. What am I going to do? Did he offer to pay you back? I didn't even ask for it. I said, don't worry. Times just, are done. I go, just stay sober. So when somebody owes you money long enough, you, they no longer owe you the money. It's just like, they didn't pay you. It's yeah. too late now. I had a friend I used to, when I used to go to Holland and this comic out there, John Feely. We used to hang out all the time. Great guy. We were good friends in when I was in Holland. I don't know about England. And I think he was a gambler and got high and this and that. And I remember he uh, called me or emailed me. Said, I need. Can you send me three hundred bucks? And I, so I wired him three hundred bucks. You know, Western yeah. Union. I never heard from him again in my life. Over three hundred bucks. Just yeah, even still call me. How are you doing? He probably forgot. He probably doesn't even well, that's remember. They don't remember, and you do. Yeah. And then they put like, oh, he's mad because this one yeah. time. I'm like, no, 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 because you owe me money. You owe me money. Diaz borrowed 200 bucks to me once when I was Who? like, Joey Diaz. Yeah. I was an employee at the comedy store. Maybe in between open mics and like one night a week booked rooms, you know? And it was like, I borrowed 200 bucks. And I was like, fuck. 
because you know that's back when he was doing coke all the time too uh-huh he didn't look trustworthy now he definitely didn't then <laughs> and i was like fuck what do i do and i was like okay i had you know a couple grand saved up and i was like but that's it you know i could part with 200 but not easily and i was like i don't have a choice here and i was like why do you not have a choice because I, he was an older comic um he hadn't proven himself untrustworthy and i was like i don't think i'm getting this back but that means i'll never have to give him money again so i'll have freed myself from fucking owing him next day he was like here's your 200 so i was like all right i can trust you Oh, he saying, was always like right on people. He was setting you up for the for, for the, the big one, right? Because I need about twenty grand now. <laughs> you know, I always pay you back and then skip down. I used I lent this one comic, Mitchell Walters. He was a big Mitchell gambler. fucking Walters. He Fuck was a that big guy. Big gambler. Yeah, he paid me back twice. Really? We were at in Atlantic City, and we're after a gig. We went to Atlantic he's City. Dead, right? I don't know if he did. He died this week. I thought I read. I don't. He's not dead, unless it was this week. Well, maybe he is. So, we're in Atlantic City. He said, "Let me a hundred or I gave him a hundred. Then we go out to eat, and he pulls out a wad of money. What the fuck? You borrow hundred? He goes, "This is my track money, not huh. his casino money." Let's so borrow from yourself then. He's a f- he paid me back though. But did, well, why did you say cas- why did you say fuck him? What did he do? I mean, besides being a honestly, it's the same thing. Hat. Why I shouldn't judge him? It's just one thing. I, I worked at a guest spot in South Carolina once, and um. And then I got there, and he's like, no, 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 we don't have time. And I was like, what? I came with all my friends. He's like, we don't got time. I was like, all right. He's like, where, and where do you even do comedy? I'm like, the comedy store? I know your pictures of your paid regular there. He goes, oh, really? You're at the comedy store? I'm like, yeah. He goes, who's Harris Pete? I'm like, the door guy? And he goes, oh. Like, my story checked out. And then he goes, do five, not ten. I'm like, five? I was supposed to do ten. He goes, do five, and if you go a minute over, I'm cutting the mic. So I try to, like. Was he the headliner? Yeah. But he, I tried to cram 10 minutes into five. I didn't know how to do it back then. But I'm like, dude, what the fuck, bro? We're in South Carolina. But why, Myrtle where were you? Beach. Myrtle Beach. Where yeah. at the, oh, the Comedy Cabana? I yeah. think that's what it was. Yeah. And I bombed horribly in front of my friends. And I was like, fuck him. I was so mad. It could have been great. But you're right. It was just <laughs> yeah. a one-time thing. I, I shouldn't hold it against him. But fuck him for that. Uh, you know, I re- I, this, guy, this comic died of cancer. It's like I came in to ask. I worked out with the club months earlier. They were like, sure, absolutely. So where you from? You you were, why no, were you I was just there on vacation with my friends. Oh, that's Spring hilarious! Break, playing golf. <laughs> they were all there. Then we had to drive back silently, as See, everyone's I, like not talking to me because of how terrible it was. I, so I when I go to the open mics, that's a that's a bit I do. How the, like comedy? Like back in the day, you just had to become a good comic. Uh-huh. Now you got to bring people. You got you know. And I oh, go, nice. it's tough enough to do comedy, but now you got to be a producer. Now you got to do promotions and bring people. Yeah. I go. It's tough. I go. What's even tougher is being one of those friends driving home with them, going, "No, you did well." <laughs> uh, we had a car of girls pull up next to us, and it was spring break time, so they're all looking at us. We're looking at them, and then but we can't hear them. You know, they're through it, like uh, flirting and stuff. And one of my friends is like, "Oh, they're saying, hey, there's that comic. It wasn't funny." I was like, "Oh fuck!" No, they didn't. Yeah, I just have to eat it. It's hilarious. Uh. <laughs> see, I don't see you. Going on a golf vacation with friends. It was high school friends, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like a nice golf vacation. It was just like, you know, we shared four to a room and just fucking played golf all day. That's fucking good. They got great courses. They in got Myrtle. great courses. Fucking They're cheap, best. too. It was the early best. spring break. Yeah. yeah, The best. And, you you know, I want to go camping. When the, I got all the camping equipment. You got to come with me and Bobby. That's what I want to. Bushcraft party boys, bro. 
Uh, I don't know if I want to do that fucking two-mile hike. I just want to go camping. At First of all, the hike would have been an hour and not the four it was, if not for Robert Kelly. Bringing all that food and shit? No, bringing all this fucking weight. Oh. And having to rest. He did great. I'm glad he went. It's good for him. But, like, it would be an hour walk, hour and a half walk. How high? Two miles? It's up and then down. But that's a high elevation one. It was it, the problem was it was uphill the whole. It wasn't like uphill down, uphill down. It was just uphill the whole way. And eventually, like fuck this hill. Yeah, that that was annoying. But there's other hikes we can do. But you should for sure come with us. I would love to. Yeah, those I, guys I, don't drink or blow, we just smoke cigars. Is our only vice there? I, I had joints, but I didn't smoke them. Well, you could sneak off and smoke. Could have, but then I was like, I'm with List and Robert. I don't need to smoke. Yeah, you know? it's like we're having a good time. I remember when I was at Woodstock 94, not 99, just thousands of people. We were doing small stages, Mm -hmm. and I just felt so disconnected. And there was like 25 comics there, and then there was a tent that had 24-hour meetings. I remember going to the tent, then I felt connected. And I'm not some big... Wow, you're more connected to that. I was more connected. And then I'm in there as Crosby, Stills, Nash are playing. It was fucking cool. In the the recovery tent. Yeah. Listening to Crosby, Stills, Nash. Yeah. Fucking great. They've all gotten clean, right? I don't have no idea. Crosby, I think, dude. I don't know. One of them. I don't know. Maybe Neil Young did. It was so funny, though. There was a bunch of us comics that went. We're doing all these small stages. And then we would eat in the cafeteria or whatever. So they had beef stew one night or whatever. So Norton takes a plate of it. And as all the buses let people off to come in, you know, the employees, they walk past these outhouses. And Norton stood halfway in the outhouse <laughs> and halfway out eating the beef stew going, it's not that bad. Oh. It was so fucking funny. Oh. <laughs> it's great that's Jeff, regular practical joke. That's where Jeff Ross came up with his poems. Remember wow. when he... It, at Woodstock? At Woodstock 94. Wow. I remember the poems. Yeah, when he used to do those fucking poems. That's where he came up with Yeah, them. somebody was like, that means he's been doing it for over 20 years. What's that? That means he's been doing those poems for over 20 years. Yeah, 94, he came up with them. Jesus, time Holy for a shit. fucking new joke, bro. He doesn't still do those poems. He doesn't. There's a poem about my cat. That's 24 years ago. I mean, he's waiting for a special, I guess. <laughs> he's got a million of them. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't have any idea. I can't yeah, I guess he goes it. with what works. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Meany was doing We Are the World for who knows how many Isn't years. Isn't it hilarious when a comic does the, the poems doesn't matter as much because, like, he could have written this today. They're not, like, specific. When you do a reference that you're, like, to Cher or something, and people are like, half of them don't even know who Cher is. I and half of them like, what song was that? I don't. We Are the World? Dude, what? No wonder you're dead. Fucking closet gay. <laughs> Wait, Get out of he, here. He came out. He came out and then died because of the shock that <laughs> took his dick. He was fucking funny. You he didn't think great. Kevin Meany? No, was, I loved him. He was, I thought he was great. fucking funny, man. No, no. It's like it's like I came out of the closet. I'm like, wait, when? Forty years ago? I'm like, no, just now. And you're like, Kevin, what? You are like Snagglepuss. But he was always so fucking I, funny. You could nice. watch him, man. He was a real entertainer. He really was. He did my podcast actually. Oh, he did. Did it about coming out of the closet at fifty. And how fucking in the closet he had to be for 35 years of sexuality that couldn't fucking married kids. All phony. Uh, it's not, well, if he are completely gay. If you're bisexual, it's not phony. Everyone's a little bisexual, but like, he yeah. was almost all gay. 
It was all almost all gay. You know you're look at You know you're gay when. <laughs> here's the thing. If you make out with a guy, you're gay. Okay. If you two guys just blow each other for the hell of it on a weekend in Myrtle Beach on a golf outing. <laughs> hey, it's a full moon. What are you going to do? You know What's, you're gay, right, right. man. Foxworthy started all that shit. You, you know, know you're. You know you're. Uh, he got the bad rap because that's all anyone thought of him when he's like, oh, no, he had real material. There was just uh, one thing he did. That's what made him famous. Uh-huh. That's what made him, you and know. he kind of had to do it. Huh? Then he kind of had to do it. So did your parents or your family they start hating you? Did no. you alienate them? No, they just knew I was a drug addict. I mean, I was out of the house already. And Were they embarrassed of you? Well, I was always a fuck up. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, look, when I got clean, that uh, that was my amends to anybody in my family. Did you do the so, 12 steps? Well, whatever. Apology? You know. I, I, me getting clean was enough apology. I don't have to go say I'm sorry. They know, you know. I mean, my mom's dead, but my dad just, we're throwing his a birthday party for him in August. He'll be 90. Wow. You know, uh, I was never close with my family anyhow. I'm close with my kids. I was so not close with my family, it made me closer with my kids. I go, I'm going to do the opposite of my parents in life. And my kids grew up to be good kids. I mean, successful. Fucking one still... Well, that on one. the way, she's a jerk a lot. But that's Bonnie. <laughs> uh, right, right, right. Bonnie's like, well, I'm raising her to be an asshole to people. Yeah, she's so. It, 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 here's she's, like, she's like a monkey. Where like you have to to get a monkey on your side. This is Bobby Lee told me because he worked with one at some show. Who he, did? Bobby Lee. Oh, okay. He goes, you have to not care for them. Everyone else is like, oh, monkey, and the monkey's like, get away. Kind of like a uh, girl sometimes too. Yeah. And so if you act like oh, I don't give a shit about this monkey, then the monkey will try to like not like come on, play with me, play with me. Fucking Raina's like that. Well, but here's the thing with Raina, too, though. We we brought her to comedy clubs this, this big. We put her in a prison yard, surrounded with comics. With animals. You know, and comics are clever, smart, funny people. And if you're surrounded with that your whole life, mm-hmm. you you tend to try to be funny. or be, Look. She does. Those dares are great. She does. She's straight A student in school. Really? Yeah, pretty. Oh, yeah. She's, I mean, she would get to the stand and look at her fucking iPad and not look at anybody. Hey, Raina. She'd look up and look right back down. I was yeah. like, fucking bitch. I said hi. I said hi. <laughs> the eyes is high. So she does that with me at home, you know. These kids, I mean, these kids nowadays. I mean, she's, you know, either she's learning something or laughing at something. Yeah. She has a great sense of humor. She, she's great when she's present. Yeah. I do like her. That's why you're like, come on, be part of the conversation. Yeah, no. She used to do anti-humor with Bonnie, anti-comedy, like alternative stuff, jokes that are anti-jokes. Really? Yeah. She's brilliant. She's coding. She's learning how to code. She's going to her third year of coding camp. Huh. You know, so she curses every now and then or calls Tim Dillon a fatso. Big deal. He's very fat. <laughs> you know. He's not, she's not the only one to blame on that. No, because she was at the stand one night and she said goodbye, Fatso. And Bonnie yelled at her in the car and said, "You can never talk that way to my friends. They're, you know, you got to show them respect. They're my peers, and that's not nice. Be nice to people." So the next night, Tim Dillon was there. She goes, "It was a pleasure meeting. It was a pleasure seeing you again. Goodbye, Fatso." Is <laughs> <laughs> that showing respect? I mean, she has a comedy mind. At, uh, at, she's going to be 11 in July. Damn. You know, my older daughters, one's getting married. They both have good jobs and careers. And, 
you know, so I did the exact opposite of my parents. You know, that's right. Yeah. You know, you... Do you ever miss the feeling you get from freebasing? No. You don't even want just the high? No. If they can find a way that's for you to get high and, and not... That's the obsession and compulsion being lifted, but go ahead. If I could feel... Oh, if I could get high and not be addicted? Yeah. No, because... I mean, I'll tell no. you this. I don't think so because I know it's so powerful, and you know, I, I don't know. I, I get enjoyment out of other things. When I think about cigarettes, it's the only thing I was ever really addicted to. I miss it, and I I have gone yeah. back before where I'm like, I'll just have a cigarette, and then like I'm immediately smoking it. I was like, yeah. oh fuck, it did it again, yeah. you know? Or I had one in like somewhere with my friend Pete. I was just half of one. Always with Pete. And then I was like, yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I was done. But the next day, I was like, hey, let me, can we, let me have another cigarette. And he's like, really? I'm like, oh, fuck. What the fuck? It was instantly in my, I got to quit right now. I cannot go back on this because then there's no stop. But I always do when I see a bunch of people smoking cigarettes. I'd love to be a part of that circle. Yeah. But I know the only thing stopping me is the addictive. It's not the, oh, I'll smell. If I'm going home to my girlfriend, oh, yeah. maybe I won't. But if I'm going home alone, it's like, if I could just do an orange cigarette. You know, where it's not anything. Yeah. I would love it. So would I. So the thing about addiction, when you stop, the progression's still inside of you. So where you, I remember when the first time, I quit smoking years and years ago for Probably. six months. Oh, okay. Then I started. Within a week, I was right back right to Right back I, to where you were. It's not like you right. got built up again. When you just start, yeah. you're like, oh, I, I'm on three a day. Yeah. I'm yeah. addicted. No, the progression stays with you. Yeah. It builds. It builds. I think cigarettes, if anything, I'd rather smoke. A, I sometimes think about how, you know, fuck, what? how good it would feel to have a cigarette. Oh, it'd be so good. Yeah, as, just, a, as, a, as the smoke hits your lungs, it just fills so, you up after a good pasta meal. Yeah. Oh, if everyone's out there just smoking and you're like, oh. You know what I used to My wife goes, I can't believe you used to do it. You know how when you get off a plane, the seat in front of you gets off first and then. Uh-huh. I used to sit in the back of the plane when you. And right before, so I would run to the front in front of everybody <laughs> so I could get outside and have a cigarette. I would just run past them all. My wow. wife goes, I didn't know, I didn't even realize that it was seat after seat. All I cared about was getting the fuck off there and having a cigarette. Dude, we saw Norm in uh, McDonald <clears throat> in uh, Vancouver Airport. Me, Rogan, and Brian Redband. You know Redband? Yeah. And he had just quit smoking. He was loving it. He was like, guys, I have never felt... I mean, he's a cool guy, and he knows Rogan, so he knows us by proxy. And we're all talking, having a good time. He's like, I've just never felt so f- f- clean. Like, once you get it out of your system, it's fucking great. We're like, do you have urges? He goes, oh, no, I'm done. I'm done with cigarettes. And then we flew, two-hour flight, and then we landed, and then got off the plane. He goes, well, I'm going to get a cigarette. <laughs> just <laughs> didn't even pick up his bags, just went out, smoked, and then came out and picked up his bags. Brad, how long did he quit for? A few weeks, I think. And oh. it was just that flight. He was like, that's it. I'm back. <laughs> like, I did a show with him. It was in Atlantic City at the Comedy Stop. It was me, him, and this guy, Teddy Bergeron, who was yeah. a major drunk and gambler from Boston. He's a comedy store comic. Teddy Bergeron? I think so. His name's on the wall. He started in Boston. Okay. Then he went out to... He had the best set on Carson. Hmm. One of the best in history. Carson loved him. Then he just fell a bit drunk and... I'll try to find it. Teddy Bergeron. Yeah, he was... Watch his set. He fucking slaughtered. Did you only have one? 
I don't know. Yeah, I think so. He, then they, all this industry was supposed to come see him. Yeah. He was the hottest thing at the improv. And, I mean, it was packed with industry to see Teddy after his... And he just was stumbling, drunk, fall down. They, they had to drag him out before he went on. So we were working in Atlantic City, me, him, and Norm. I hosted a, I was hosting the show. Teddy Middle and Norm was closing. And Norm was funny as fuck, but nobody got that humor back then. Yep. This was a long... I mean, I was on... Teddy went on... I think Norm was on, and somebody in the audience yelled, Bring back the Jew. Right. <laughs> so, anyhow, after, and Norm, so they switched it around and they put Norm in the middle and Teddy closed. Anyhow, the owner pulled us in the room. So this is the worst show in history of this club. Wow. <laughs> and that wasn't even me because I was just hosting. You're like, you took me out of it? <laughs> he said to me before, he goes, I'm not talking to you. But he still didn't bring me back for two years. Oh. Because I was connected with that. By the worst show in of his, a shitty weekend. Yeah, of the worst. And I'm dying. I'm going, Norm is. This guy is too fucking funny and brilliant for this but fucking audience. But the crowds just don't get it sometimes. I love that he's like, I don't care. I'm just going to go through it. When he, he did that bit about the head, that even Letterman quoted it. A head in the double. I was, uh, I was only kidding. Like, cut the head off and better on it. Some old bit of his. It's just so. He did on Letterman. And Letterman kept doing the punchline at his desk. Uh-huh. That's how it, the bit is so funny. And. I was just watching Norm and this fucking dumb casino Atlantic City audience that just did not get it. They're just so fucking I love when dumb. you're like, you don't even appreciate what you have. You have no idea how good this fucking guy is and that, what a star he's going to be. You know, and he, it's it's crazy. What's the wor- oh, we're almost done. What's the worst thing you did to cop? What's the worst what? What's the worst thing you did to cop? To cop? To cop drugs. Is that the term? To get drugs? Sorry, I'm not a drug addict. I don't get to use those words. Like, like I know it's never like sucking your dad's dick kind of thing, no. but like that kind of thing. Like, what's that awful thing you did for the money I, to get? I'll drugs? tell you something awful I did, yeah. and it sounds stupid, but it's awful. I I got high, and I'm sitting in this little bar on Ninth Avenue. It was called the Film Center. Back then, a draft beer was forty cents. Damn. So I I, I had like a dollar going for two drafts, then get on the train with no money to get home and just hide from the conductor. So I'm at the bar, or even at a table, whatever. I'm sitting at a table with my, and some girl sits down, just by herself. How you doing? You know. I go fine. She goes, can I buy you a beer? I said, yeah, of course. She goes, well, you got to walk up and get it. So she gave me twenty dollars. I walked to the bar and then I ran out the door and just took off with her twenty dollars. That is shitty. It's pretty horrible if you yeah. think about it. Yeah. You know, and back then, $20 is probably 60 Yeah, it's like the beers cost, what, $3? 40, cent, 40, 40 cents a draft. Cents. Oh, so she's like, bring yeah. the change back. Nice yeah. But, oh. And I just ran out the door. Didn't look back. And went and bought two more vials. Yeah, when it makes you do shit like that to people, to humans, not to a store where you're like, I can steal from yeah. 7-Eleven, no big deal, who cares? But like to a person. To it's a like, person, oh. I didn't even, that was being nice was to being me. It was being nice. It wasn't that even was just it. like they lo- they left 20 on the, they're, they're out of their way to nice to you. Yeah. That's just horrible as anything. You know, that's just horrible as just like going to rob somebody for, for $1,000, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just that $20 and walking to the bar and running out. And then you know she's left there. And just sitting like waiting, looking at him. And then just like. No, she saw me. Saw you run out. It's right there. Uh-huh. Just right there. And I just ran out. 
All right. Well, Isn't that scummy? That is scummy. And that's all on the Voss, on VossRoast.com. VossRoast.com. Five dollars to rent it, ten dollars to buy it. I was there. Fucking great, great night. Thank fun, you. fun night. I love a roast like that, man. It really made me believe in roasts again. To be able to Thank be you. there and be like, wow, this was fun. Yours, yeah. Big J's roast. Those are two like. Oh, Big J's was fun too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I wasn't on. I introduced. Yeah, Bonnie it. was, but yeah. it was man, it was so fun. Yeah, it was with fun. all friends. Yeah, I wish they would have done his in a bigger room. Yeah, but like so whatever. more people could have seen it because mm-hmm. it was so good. My favorite joke that I made was it was oh. right after Kumi had all that shit happen, yeah. and I made a joke about somebody, uh, the, the black guys on the dais, and like not knowing his father. That was the punchline. It was like you don't know your father, yeah. and then I just turned to walk back to Kumi and gave him a high five. Oh yeah, no, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so much yeah. fun. with just friends. But uh, get that your special you just taped at a fucking. And, and I don't. To? Yeah, I don't know what we're doing with it. That's cool. We'll it's look being out for edited it. right now. I mean, we have. I'll tell you off air, but it taped at an A convention. Great fucking uh, audience. Yeah. Vossroast dot com. You've got uh, your podcast the, with Bonnie. Oh yeah. I hate my wife. My wife hates me. My wife hates me. Sorry. On, I'm, a, I'm iTunes and Riotcast. Yeah. Are you on the network? All things comedy, but we're not really a network. We're a co op. Billy Sting, right? Uh huh. Yeah. What is, I don't get. What do you mean? You just support each other, but there's no like you owe us money for this or you do this. We have a studio that almost none of us use. It's those really, guys were in the studio though. Who, oh yeah, Punch Drunk. Yeah, we so we use it for that. But generally, because we take calls a lot and do the. But how thing. do they keep the podcast going without? They got to take some ad revenue. You don't do ads. I do ads. I take all my own ads. If they bring me ads, then they they get some money from that. Yeah, the same oh. as another ad yeah. person would take. You know, as an agent. Um, but generally, it's like. Oh, Tom! Like Tom Papa's on the network. Like Tom Papa's a new special out. Let everybody know, and then all the comments will be like, "Hey, this guy I like who's on my network has a new special. Everybody should watch it." Oh, so you all help promote each yeah, other. We help promote each other. Yeah. Uh, if we've got like Bert does this uh, cooking show that you should do if you're out there. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's just something's burning with Bert Kreischer. Um, I fucking love him. Yeah, and so then it's like you know we all like sort of like go on each other's like things, him. just support each other. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of podcasts on that network, isn't mm-hmm. there? Yeah, a lot of top level ones too. It's great. It's great. I mean, you know, they just it's mostly this hands off though. It's mostly you're doing shit on your own, which is fine. That's what uh-huh. I wanted. Good. Um Well most podcasts are hands off. Oh, so, mo- exactly. So yeah, Bert's on there too, which which you know, Bert's cool, but he still hasn't you know what he fucking did you hear about that, what he did to the children's hospital? He t- said he'd give him ten grand if he did this marathon. If what? If he ran a marathon with no training. He didn't believe he could do it. So he said if I do that I'll give ten grand to Children's Hospital LA. And he did it. He ran the marathon. How far? 26.2 miles. He ran 26 miles. Unbelievable, right? No fucking... He ran... I'm sure he walked some of it, but he did it in time, five plus hours. But wait, he wouldn't it be if I can't do it, I'll give 10 grand? He thought he would like motivate himself to do it oh. and get everybody behind him. So all these people like got behind him in Children's Hospital. And then he did it. And he's it, like, fuck those kids. He's not giving them the money. He refused to give them the money. No. Yeah. Why? He's like, I don't. Want, I never really meant to give it to them. I'm like, dude, we all believed you. Get out of here. Yeah. No way. Same He's thing not- with Doug, though. It's like I still like him as a person, but this behavior I do not tolerate. No, that's not him. He's not that. That's who. That's, that's he might have. He might have gave it without letting he you guys know. It. He didn't give it. I would love to see some proof of that. We we're all like so excited. We're like, nah, fucking other people gave on his behalf. Like because Bert's giving, I also give. Renazisa gave two grand. Because he was so overwhelmed by fucking Christ's generosity. He's like, wow. That's the best, char- the best, most honest charity in this country is St. Jude's. St. Jude's. It's the best. 
Why? Because so many of the other ones give like 1%. Right, right, right. They give, I think, probably almost 100%. Wow. I mean, there's CEOs from charities that are making, you know, fucking 800000 a year. Wow. And the charity gets, what, 2% if that? Yeah, exactly. It's fucking scumbags. Exactly. Susan B. Komen, the fucking NFL thing with the pink thing. Uh-huh. The NFL gets 97% of that. Susan B. Komen gets 3%. And then of the 3% Susan B. Komen gets, 3% of that goes to the foundation. So when you buy an NFL shirt with a pink ribbon, 3% of 3% goes to where you want it to go. That's it? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. fucking gross. Yeah. I used to do a bit. I'm not going to do it a bit, but I hate when companies or even comics go, if you buy this, I'll donate. Go fuck yourself. Just, just, just donate, donate without just donate. telling. Yeah. Yeah. Don't use me. Yeah. You know, as Gabby say, buy these clothes and... We'll donate a certain amount. What you're holding the kids hostage? Yeah, fuck off. Yeah, that's yeah, what bullshit. Are you talking about banking off them. Yeah, that's fucking gross. I got money for you for doing this podcast. I don't want money for the podcast. Are you crazy? You I get ads. You what? I get ads. Yeah, but I don't get paid. I don't want to get paid for a podcast. You're helping me. Yeah, but I kick it down. No. Yeah, that's what I, I do. Everybody gets a hundred bucks. I get the fuck out of here. Yeah, believe it. No way. Weekend spot pay, bro. I feel bad taking this. I can't take it. We'll talk about but it off feels the feels bad taking money? Yeah, I'm not your typical. You I'm know not, what? I'm not your some... typical Jew. I'm not, you I'm know. Acid instead? Well, let me tell you something about old Jews. Young Jews aren't as bad as old Jews. No, exactly. The reason old Jews are cheap, because everything was taken from them in life. Mm, I know. I've heard that theory, but it hasn't hold, held up to my... To my dad's pre-Holocaust memories. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, not only Holocaust, Syrian, Pogroms, yeah. Syrian Jews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. That had all their artwork and everything stolen. Uh, what is that? It's a Rick and Morty acid. Oh, you still do you do acid? I just did some this weekend at fucking Firefly. Oh, I, that's what I meant to tell you too. What? So when you talk about people getting too fucked up, I was lying on the grass, way in the back, in between the killers and uh, Eminem. Just lying there, trying to keep my eyes open. Because if I keep my eyes closed, someone's going to step on me. But if I keep my eyes open, like, you know, yeah. feet like this, like in a V, just looking at the stars, just like out of it. What concert was that? Bonnaroo? It was a festival. No, it was like Bonnaroo. It was uh, a Firefly. It was in Dover, Delaware. Closer. Oh. Four-hour bus ride. You just went to not perform. Did, did you go to the My girl and her friend, her friend. And, uh, was yeah, it was, fun? It was so fun, camping. But I'm laying there, gack, like not gacked out, but on super fucking fl- tripping. And I just, as people walk over me, you just hear them talking and stuff. You go out of it again, then you come back. And I just, when I came back, I just heard one be like, I would never want to get that fucked up. Somebody like, said that. Yeah, about me. And it was like. It was Bert. It was Bert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm closing on that. All right. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Everybody get the fucking special right now. The, the, the roast. Ross Roast V-O-S Roast.com Get it Enjoy it I came from the pain And suffering Two pit bulls And a take nine Take nine You can deal with me All the time So the guard If you come up In my mommy yard I'ma shoot that Motherfucker To a get tied Pick through the truck Got six ties Got big ties When I ride mixtape And I keep shitting On the competition I'm about to put up Me a shit tape Guess we ain't Playing by no rules Every night I freestyle On Pro Tools Tell Flesh Come to the A Real car Check them out One of them Ragland I don't respect my elders. These right here missing more gallons. I cannot get no earrings. It'll make my Rolex jealous. I've been a felon since 15. My expedition had a big screen. Half of you niggas was contemplating. Half of you niggas want shit deep. Someone all with his own seat. Fuck y'all, I buy my own shit. Fuck y'all, I buy my own wheel. Fuck y'all, I buy my own bridge. 
tell them pussy niggas they ain't take shit. Better be ready to let the gat loose. I done did a song with everybody from Jermaine and Bree down to Papoose. I came from nothing. 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 My partner mascot is a pitchfork And you already know what this for Me too, went dude Talking these hoes like a shit suit So cold I recorded in the igloo Nigga ask me why I don't drink Man let me tell you what the wine do My partner came in and said damn my girl I had to tell that motherfucker mine too Hot days in the summertime Might pull up in a burp No matter what Uh ladies and gentlemen that was the episode uh, Oh okay I want to do this thing with Dane and, uh, and, and Dark Stanhope. But before I do, I would like to say that um, the GoFundMe that we're all doing, we're all taking a part in to, to uh, help make up for, for Burt Kreischer's uh, awful behavior. Just, again, same thing. I, I, I don't hate all of Burt. I do hate that he promised to give money to, to, to Children's Hospital in order to gain support. And then never had any intention of giving them the money. That's what he's saying now. He was like, I didn't even, I was never even planning on giving that money. I, I guess he just, he, it was just a promise he made in order to get people on his side. It was fucking garbage. Anyway, I still like him as a person. I've come to terms with that. But again, I have taken up what he refused to do and I am raising the money myself. So um, with GoFundMe's um, rate that they take out, the percentage they take out for their own, uh, I'm doing, trying to make up the $10,000 that Bert said he would give, uh, and I'm trying to raise $10,961. That way, it'll be $10,000 straight to Children's Hospital, Los Angeles. If you want to um, give, if you want to join in and be a better human being than Bert is, go to GoFundMe.com slash EvilBert. Um, we have already raised, in just 18 days, we have already raised $4,672. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Raised by 179 people. People given five bucks. People given ten. Um, uh, Tom Segura gave a thousand. No, I'm sorry. Gave two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars he gave. Anonymous, a hundred. Corinne Hayashi, five hundred dollars. Wow. Let me read some of these fucking huge ones. And everyone fucking posts. Um, they can. You can post a comment. A lot of them are not kind to Bert. I will say that. A lot of them are shitting on him quite hard. Um, all right. Jason Bryan, $1,000. So people are given. People are given. Anonymous, $20. Oscar Valencia, $20. Jay Clark, $100. Anonymous, 20 Somebody from Russia, $20. I might say the machine in Russian. Um, the Rasslin' Kit, $10. Chris Henry, $100. Casey Lucero, $20. It just keeps going and going. Connor McLaren, $5. Just people are given, and it's just so great to see them see a wrong in the world and try to make up for it. The comments are great. Uh, John Santos, he's probably at home watching his own comedy special. Um, Chris Olson, I guess the only not fat about Bert is his bank account. Sad. Uh, Mackenzie Spala, what a fat, evil bastard. Ryan Holguin, not an alcoholic and care about children. I don't. Oh, because he's 
that. Okay. Uh, Rob Smith. Oh, my Lord. Praise Jesus. I just feel so sorry for the children. What type of person would let that many children down? I don't know, Rob. I don't know. Alex Huey. Why are kids dying when Brent Brent Keisler is still alive? Yeah, that's a good question. Michael Bogner, who gave money. Common Burt Buddy. Come on, oh, sorry. Come on, Burt Buddy. Be a good guy and do it. Burt hasn't even donated to this. Forget about the ten thousand dollars. He hasn't given five bucks. I guess that's the minimum you can give on this. He hasn't given five bucks to the fund that is helping correct his awful ways. And I heard Leanne hates me for this, but Leanne, I'm sorry. If I see somebody fucking promise money to sick children and they refuse to give it, I know you're married to him. I know he's supporting your children. I get that. I get that you need the money that he never should have promised in the first place. That's all fine, Leanne, but it's shitty. We all feel shitty about these sick, sick children that he's abusing in order to gain Twitter followers and Instagram followers. Reach out to him. Tell him how you feel. Go to him, actually. If you feel like you gave $5 to make up for his shitty behavior and you're mad about it, go to him. At Burke Kreischer. On Instagram, at Burke Kreischer on Twitter. Let him know how fucking shitty you feel. And share this. Share GoFundMe.com slash EvilBert so we can finally together make up for his evil. $4,672. We are only $6,000 under $311. away. $6,289 away. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're going to fucking show Bert that you can't fucking lie and fucking dance on the graves of children, many of who have died. People, this, some of these kids have died in between when he said he would give them money and now when we're getting them the money. These kids have literally passed away. Feel sorry. Ari is for the children. Bird is fat. By the way, it's one of my favorite things. You know, I always have I get weird when people recognize me. I don't know how to handle it. That's pretty clear. But when people walk by me, I just go, Bird is fat. I just go, fuck yeah, he is. And then they just keep walking. One of my favorite interactions. Uh, John Dickens, Bert, fat and evil as he plainly is, robs six children, robs sick children while gorging himself on Blue Apron and podcasting with celebrities from his decadent man cave. He is a gluttonous stain on the national conscience and must be stopped. Well, John Dickens, I agree with you. Wesley Barcaro, Ari, you don't know me, but out of the group, I've always been in admiration to you. Now it's kind of settled. You're great, man. Fuck Bert. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Anthony Whitman. Bert is fat and selfishly wants his wallet to reflect his gut. Richard Morgan. Here's a good one. I was going to go out to lunch with this $20, but I'm giving it to sick kids now. Bert is hurting sick kids and now me. Shame on you, Bert. Just a heartless fat bastard. Shame on you, Bert. I mean, they are children. Derek Atkins. Oh, here's a good one. Tom Segura. My fat, selfish friend, Brent, made a promise that he broke. So here we are taking care of things for him. This happens a lot because he forgets what he says. Parentheses, brain damage. Hopefully he'll see this and remember the kids and give the money he said he'd give to help them. But he is fat. So six likes. Oh, I'm going to like this. Seven likes now. Uh, Oh, you can like the fucking campaign 187 likes yeah share it you guys share it on facebook share it on twitter share it on instagram let people know gofundme.com slash evil bert um this is what'll come up actually if you if you do share it fat burke wants sick children to die burke chrysler promised to give ten thousand dollars to children's hospital 
but it has become clear to me that he has no intentions of fulfilling that pledge. He's more concerned with buying vodka and expensive cigars, with adding a pool to his backyard, with putting on additions to his already palatial house. He'd rather fly first class everywhere than help the needy children he used in a disgusting plot to gain followers for his various social media pages. I feel so bad about my former friend leaving these poor kids in the lurch that I am taking up a campaign to cover the debt he refuses to pay. Um, yeah, help me spread the word, you guys. Um, all right. So, yeah. Now let's start the outro. And that is the episode. Did you guys enjoy it? I am looking up um, Doug Stanhope. I'm going to read Doug Stanhope's open letter to Dan Cook. Now, before I read this, I would like to say that I love, I love the way Doug Stanhope views um, anger. That someone can do something that makes you mad, but you don't have to view them as completely wrong. You can forgive. You can just say, no, I don't like the thing you did, but you're okay. I was missing the last election when no one could say Hillary did anything wrong and no one could say Trump did anything wrong. You can say like, well, I support the way she uh, views, uh, you know, paid kindergarten for, for every kindergarten should be free for children. No, I don't like the way she has supported every single war she's ever been allowed to support uh, and in fact started uh, the war in Libya. I, no, I don't support that. But I do support her for this, this and this and this. And I like her overall. You can say that. People are missing that, and Stan Hope has it. And he didn't preach it. He does it with his fucking actions. So, open letter. Um, so I am going to read the open letter that Stan Hope wrote to Dan Cook. Dan Cook, I have said this before, was at the time the biggest comic in Los Angeles. He was the biggest comic in the biggest room. The biggest room was Dublin's. I met him at Jay Davis, host, uh, ran it. It was the show in L.A., Tuesday nights, and it was the show. The only comparable thing I had to that, really, no, was, was Hannibal Show, The Knitting Factory in New York. But even that, it wasn't the place where you go to get, like, business cards. And fucking, it was a showcase room. Um, all right, so I'm going to read um, this open letter. Oh, hold on. Let me find it. Okay, so the reason I'm going to read it is, and just, the reason I'm putting this addendum in the beginning is because, like, there's stuff Dane Cook has done that have angered people, but in the end, he was a comedian, and he achieved great heights. I don't care for some of the stuff he did, like the stealing material. Um, it was wrong. There's no doubt about it, um, but he thought like a comedian, and he, for a long time, did his own stuff, and he sort of got into the forefront this new genre of comedy, or, or, or a specific genre of comedy, and pushed it forward, uh, physical comedy which now you see a lot of people um who idolize him growing up uh and now you see that it's a for sure style i mean the way the way uh, stephen wright started those like dry one-liners and then people didn't copy him but they emulated him dane cook has had that he was a he was a, a style originator um so anyway i'm gonna find it and read it all right well i don't know if this is it it might be different than i remember because I've read this one, it doesn't seem like it, but it seems similar. So here it is. Doug Stanhope, June 9th, 2009. 
Eh, nine years. It might be it. I guess it might be it. But man, it's, my memory does not serve that well all the time. Okay. By Doug Stanhope. Uh, from DougStanhope.squarespace.com. <laughs> Doug slash Doug dash Stanhope.squarespace.com. That is an old site. Um, one, the title, One Final Word On, About, and To Dan Cook, Intermittently. Or Why I Like Dan Cook Better Than You. So this actually really does show the ability to someone to not like something about a person and still be okay with them. Um, and it is what Ansan Suki says. At some point, you become entirely that thing. You're beyond redemption. You are that. Um, but, you know, there's a line. that not always have to be that. Okay. It would take a lot for me to write about Dane Cook. Now that even mentioning the name draws yawns in comic circles and most other circles as well. But now it has to do with me. Me, 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 me. And I love to write anything that has to do with me on some underwhelming level. I found this in a Dane Cook interview. He has a quote on it, a uh, link, where he says, quote, There's a lot of cynical, jealous guys. He's saying Dane Cook says this. There's a lot of cynical, jealous guys. I'm not going to name names, but I know some of the names that you want to check. You just have to look at their careers. You have to look at where they're at and what they're probably frustrated about. This might actually be the article. And what they're probably frustrated about. And you also have to understand that the guys I came up with, the group I came up with the ranks with, are very proud of me. And they're the only opinions that matter. Unquote. Back to Dane. Before I get to my point, let's stop here for a moment. I think it might have been Rogan that said it in an interview. Someone said it. That there are a lot of comedians who make it really big and are actually respected and congratulated by their peers. Shitloads of them. Chris Rock. Name two comics of any merit who don't like Chris Rock. Okay, right here I'm going to interject my own thing. And I will say that Chris Rock has two of the best specials of all time. One is, no ma- I like to be conservative. So no matter what, top 10, and no matter what, top 100 of all time. And if I had to really guess, I'm saying top five and top 20. Um, you just hear me shit on Chris Rock a lot, and that's only because what he's become is such a garbage comic. But back then, he achieved something that n- it's just so rare. He's one of the best of all time. If he had died, I would have no bad words. If he had died in 2004, I would have no bad words to say about him. Um, Chris Rock. Name two comics of any merit who don't like Chris Rock. You can't. Who doesn't like Dave Chappelle? One of my personal heroes, and I can't name a comedian I've heard say a bad thing about him in 19 years of this business. Okay, that's another one. Well, Doug, you weren't around when he was fucking bumping people for an hour and 45 minutes or nine hours. One comment before the end. There's some bad things you can say about Dave Chappelle. Uh, his stand-up, is, it's fun to watch, man. It's, it's really great. It's jazz. He's, he's great to watch. Um, how about Jon Stewart? Fucking brilliant. Huge fan for a long, long time, and no spite from the comedy world whatsoever. Again, I argue with your whatsoever, with your fucking complete black and white stuff here, uh, Doug, but, but I get what you're saying. For the most part, everybody really loves these guys. So why no backlash from other comedians? Because comics know the difference between craftsmanship and repeatedly hitting oneself in the face with pies. But that's not why I'm writing. In the same interview, Dane was quoted as saying, 
it's funny because there's another name of another guy that's maybe one of the most vocal guys. After my mom passed away, this guy wrote me the first email that I got. He said, I remember you talking about your mom at this spot that you and I were in one time on a show together. I just wanted to just say how sorry I am. I know she meant a lot to you. As far as some of the backlash, some of the things people are saying, it's all a game. He admitted to me that he embraced it simply to satisfy his fans. I'm behind the scenes and I know the real death. I know the real deal with some of the things people are saying. Unquote. Now back to Doug Stanhope. The comedian in question was me. Only the email has been only the email has been gently misquoted just enough to make it change from being a kind word to fitting his agenda. What a cruddy thing to do. I found the email that I sent and it says exactly this. Dane just read in an article that your mother passed away. I remember how you and I would call our mothers after shows and don't have to capitalize mothers, Doug. You're just like Diaz. Would call our mothers after shows in SF in 95. So regardless of all the dog shit that this that is show business, I know how that is real. My sincere condolences. The rest is just a game. Stan Hope. That's it, Dane. If you somehow read into this that I embrace the repercussions against you only to satisfy my fans, you have keen glasses on, sir. I am unsure how you took It's All a Game to specifically regard why you are disliked by comedians at all, nor is it even inferred. At all, nor is it, I'm unsure how you took It's All a Game to specifically regard why you are disliked by comedians at all, nor is it even inferred. Okay, I read it right. It is a game, perhaps, in that the shit I talk about you doesn't really affect my daily life. One way or another, whatever you do, it's just a game in that this entire industry is ludicrous. The idea that laughter is such a rarity in this work-and-die structure of humanity that we can get paid to provide it, and that people can get as much of an outlet or more from hating the entertainer as liking them, and so on. You make it sound like I only insult your stand-up as though I had some PR angle in doing so. Why can't you just come to grips with the fact that most comics don't like your style of stand-up? The ones I know who don't like you publicly now didn't like you privately before you were widely recognized. It's just that back then nobody in the press had reason to ask. This actually might be the article I was thinking of. It really might be, but I remember the word undeserving, but it's not here. Okay, back to it. Listen, I'm not trying to be a prick. But you were the one using my words as some de facto evidence that the comedy world would love you if it weren't for the success. People listen to me. Obviously, I'm not a fan of Dan Cook's comedy. I've enjoyed not liking his comedy for almost 15 years. And I think I've disliked him, not on any personal level, just professionally and for fun, in a very healthy way. Dane and I did the San Francisco Comedy Competition together in 1995. That's how we met. We were both fairly new to the industry, and I saw his manager at the Melrose Improv in L.A. shortly before the competition started. When it came up that I would be competing, he jokingly tried to get bet me prize money against this guy, Dane. Against his guy, Dane. Uh, that manager, I believe, is Barry Katz. I said no. I didn't even know his guy. Besides, competitions are all bullshit. That was written with a warped tooth grin. Cut to Mitch Hedberg and I are there for the first night of a three-week competition that goes all over Northern California. The top five finishers averaged over the first week move on to the second round. The top five of the second round go to the finals. By the way, listen to this fucking crew that used to hang out. Hedberg, Stanhope, Ralphie May, Diaz. That was a fucking crew. Jesus. 
I mean, they were poor together in L.A. The first night of the first week, Hedberg and I didn't place in the top five. Ooh. Dane Cook comes in second. This is bullshit, and we should just quit right fucking now. This is a drunk Mitch and me. And we continue to get drunker. This is when Dane's manager at the bar, he says with his big pelican head, <laughs> aren't you glad you didn't bet me that bet me prize money now? I am drunk and hateful and primed to talk shit. So I say, I'll bet you $100 I win this whole fucking thing no matter what your guy does. Well, how would he win if he didn't? Come in. Let's see this competition. I'm going to piss anyway. Oh, okay, so it's it's how you do over the whole first week. So he just, the first night of the first week, Hedberg and Stanhope didn't place in the top five. Okay. Um, I am drunk and hateful and primed to talk shit, so I say, I'll bet you $100 I win this whole fucking thing no matter what your guy does. He made the bet, and for the next three weeks, it turned into me and Dane neck and neck. It's neck and neck, you idiot. The whole way to the final night. And I won 10,000 clamps plus $100 from Dane's manager. It took me a year and three different payments to get the $100 in full. That's because Barry Katz is known as a guy who's fucking stolen fucking money from clients over the years. Stolen money. Refused to pay them. Instead of the client getting the 100% and then giving 10% to the manager, he would just take the 100% and then give the 90% to the, to the client, to the comic, but then just not give him the 90%. Just hold on to it and hold on to it and hold on to it. He's been known as a guy who's done that. He's a, th- a money thief who represented joke thieves. Very interesting. But um, uh, the first night of the first uh, – I'm drunk. Okay. It took me three years. One time I had my mother go up to him at the improv. You still owe my son a $60. <laughs> Let's see. I only have 21 on me. I'll take it. I remember a lot of nights during the competition that both Dane and I would be calling our mothers to tell them how we did, and it was kind of funny. That is why I wrote him the email when I heard his mother died, because I felt sympathy for a guy I knew, although I did feel feel a little schadenfreude in hearing that his brother scammed him for millions, but that's different. In a lot of ways, the backlash against Dane – so now here's what I'm talking about. Here's a guy who says, I hate you for what type of comedy you do. And he's still able to go like, no, no, you're a human, man. You're fucking, fucking mom died. That sucks. I think we just need some of that. Some of what Stan Hope's trying to tell us here. In a lot of ways, the backlash against Dane Cook sucked for me because it made Dane bashing tired and stole that joy from me. I feel like the guy that knew the band when they were just a garage nuisance and now everybody else is hip to them. I knew Dane Cook sucked before you guys even ever heard of him. Now everybody's doing it, and hating him doesn't have the same personal feel anymore. Overall, Dane's Cook's high profile is good for me and others like me because it creates sort of a protest market. People want to see some other type of comedy, specifically because it's not that, like rooting for anyone playing against the Yankees. Fuck you, Doug. Keep in mind, it's just fucking comedy. The worst vitriol and invective that you hear one comic say about another, it's still just a stupid fucking job. Don't you go getting too wrapped up in it. It's not your fight. No need for you to go sending off shitty emails to one side or other. People take this shit way more seriously than even the comics themselves. Sometimes we don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. Watching the whole Rogan Mencia plagiarism thing go down and reading horribly misspelled comments on YouTube that said shit like, who cares who wrote it if Carlos does it better than you, that better 
does it better it, than he owns it. Oh, okay, he's quoting somebody. Who cares who wrote it if Carlos does it better it than he owns it? You know even Mencia would cringe at his own fan's idiocy. I want to do a podcast with Mencia. Um, where are we? Okay. I get emails from people who can't compliment you without also adding in who they hate. You rock. Fuck Lisa Lampanelli or whoever. <laughs> what? Where the fuck did that come from? Why the necessity for the unrelated hatred? I don't even I, I don't get it even when I'm guilty of it. It's as though people that it's as though people think that we are all in some heated competition and they will win us over by saying that they hate some other stand up. I've talked the same thing about Joe List about where they, have, where they feel a need to be like, fuck this guy. I'm like, what, why? They're comics. They're fine. Every, every comic is just trying to write a good dick joke. We're all trying for the same shit. We're all in the same group. We, don't hate, we can hate how bad they are, but like, at least, at least they're trying for something. It's as though, that's why, by the way, you will never see me shit on, I guess I'd do it for Chris Rock. But very rarely will shit on a comics act. I'll shit on them for things they've done in life, but not for like them just going for a joke. It's just it's it's hard. You don't always hit it. Um I guess I just feel betrayed by Chris Rock. I feel like he should be better. He's capable of being one of the best comics of all time. So when he's not, I feel like a personal slight. Like, why? Why aren't you taking this more seriously? Why aren't you getting up on stage every night? Why are you only getting ready for a special instead of staying ready all the time? And I guess I hate the reaction. Um, the truth is, okay, here, it's as though people think that we're all in some heated competition and they will win us over by saying that they hate some other stand-up. The truth is, this is the best. The truth is that if I walked into a bar crowded with a bunch of my fans and Dane Cook, I would, I would go hang out with Dane Cook first without question. Nothing personal, but I'd have something to talk about with him. We are in the same very small business for the same amount of time and except for the numbers and small details, have a lot in common that I don't have with but a handful of people on this planet. Hitler might have taken Mussolini for a chump, but if they, I bet if they met up in an airport bar in hell, <laughs> they'd probably have a lot more to talk about with each other than with their troops. Then Cook and I would probably have a great laugh about all the shitty emails we get from people. Here's why I think it's okay for me to say Dan Cook sucks, but you shouldn't. First, you really shouldn't be so much, you really shouldn't be spending so much time disliking people. As has been said a million times, turn the channel and go find something you like. Life is too short. Find something great and come back and tell us about it on the internet rather than only spewing your pro bono critiques of what infuriates you, thus advertising it. Is that hugely hypocritical of me? Unbelievably. Unbelievably. I should be slapped. Well, yeah, there you go. It's the same thing with me. But secondly, I believe I am more qualified in saying that Dane Cook sucks because I am in the business and know all the tricks and the angles. I know exactly why he sucks and what makes me ir- and that makes me irritated when other people say he sucks when they have no idea why. Here's the analogy. If you, it's like if you are an expert plumber and you fucking hate AAA plumbing because you know they aren't very good at their craft. 
But they thrive because they are the first in the phone book and have no shame in driving around town in a van with a giant styrofoam faucet on top of it, with the full-page ads in every thrifty nickel newspaper and coupon book. Now I, who doesn't know jack shit about plumbing, says AAA plumbing sucks because I tried to stick a whole turkey carcass down my garbage disposal on Thanksgiving, along with a million other assholes, and they were too busy to help me. I call you and say, fuck AAA plumbing, you rock. You know I don't even hate them for the right reason. And if you ever ran into AAA plumbing in a bar on Thanksgiving night, you'd laugh at all the assholes who stuck turkeys on their garbage disposals and not who's first in the yellow pages. He posts a picture of somebody, a plumber, a fucking Turkish-looking plumber with someone else wearing a AAA plumbing shirt. (laughs) Holding Nazis, fucking swastikas, I think. So leave Dane Cook hating to me and you go out and find shit for us to enjoy. We don't all need to be this miserable all the time. Well, good article. I don't know if that was the right one. I really don't. I wrote an email to a Doug Stanhope uh, email address. Uh, I lose all my numbers all the time when I get this flip phone. So I, I asked him uh, if he could send it to me, that article. But I, there's no way he used a fucking hotmail address to. Although if anybody would, it'd be Stanhope. Um, and I sent out a tweet asking if anybody saw it. So I guess I'll check that real quick. Um, okay, well, no, I looked. And... Um, it just shows uh, the people who responded just found the one I found. I, I don't. I feel like it's not it. I feel like I remember the word undeserving, but uh, I guess I'm definitely reading into it. My my fucking memory does not serve. I will delete that tweet. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's the episode. Don't forget, I'm in San Francisco right now with Steve Simone opening for me, um, June 21st, 22nd, 23rd. I am also doing what else do I have for shows coming up in June, July? Oh, I'm gonna do a Ari Shafir's renamed storytelling show in LA, in the Belly Room, June I think 11th. Tickets will be out soon. Lineup will be a surprise. Um, thank you for all the people who came out to the last storytelling show at the Village Underground. What a great lineup. What a great show. Uh, I'll just tell you who it was. If you don't know, um, the lineup went Luis, Luis, Luis Gomez, no middle name. Um, then who was next? Who was after Luis? Mark Normand? No. It may be Mark Norman was next. Um, Lynn Coplitz, fucking killed from Netflix. Uh, Roy Wood, Jr., fucking great story. And Sean Patton, as always, fucking killer. Maybe the best in the world at this type of storytelling comedy, perhaps. It's it's him or Diaz or Simone. Um, Big J's up there, too, but I mean... The amount of stories and the quality that Sean Patton has all the time is fucking... He could easily be the best one. He's so good. He's so fucking good. I mean, me and Norman just sit back there watching and go like, he's the best. I mean, he's the best at this. He's so fucking good. Um, anyway, great lineup. I always bring you guys good lineups. Even if people you haven't heard of, they're all going to give it their all. Um, they're always going to give it their all and fucking try their best and give you guys great stories. So... 
It'll be a mixture of people you've heard of all the time and new people that are just fucking ready to kill. And I'm sure occasionally some people who fucking suck. Uh, but that's a joy. They're trying stories that, that they've never done before. I was not that good this last time. Uh, I was probably the sucker in the group. Anyway, that's the episode, you guys. Uh, check out AriTheGreat.com for tickets. I will try to post that video, if I can find it, on the website um, of whatever I wrote it down. What was I supposed to look for? Somebody punching somebody? I wrote it down what I was supposed to look for. Um, that's it. Thank you very much. And don't forget to go get Rich Voss's roast so you can talk about it with your friends. Voss Roast, V-O-S, roast.com. Rent it for $5, buy it for 10 and uh, enjoy, enjoy. I haven't seen it, but I'm telling you, I was there, and it was a fucking great night. And don't forget to go see Tag, Jeff Tomzik's movie. Um, I saw it, fucking heartwarming as shit, funny in parts, uh, fucking like elf level, like like uh, emotion um, in parts. And, um, and as always, what Jeff does, fucking cool as fuck. Some of the fight scenes were fucking great. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the episode. Ari Shafir, Skeptic Tank, episode 328. Free base for Rich Voss. I'm Ari Shafir saying so long. Yeah, maybe next week, Becky Yon talk about China. And then soon I have my last, all right, whatever, my last podcast. And I'm doing one with Rolf Potts again. Um, about the places we want to go. So that's coming up soon. Rolf Potts, back on the episode, back on the podcast. Maybe we'll go back to Tom Potts Park. Ladies and gentlemen, goodbye. Sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner. Sometimes I feel like my only friend is the city I live in, the city of angels. Lonely as I am, together we cry. streets cause she's my companion I walk through the hills cause she knows who I am she sees my